Oh, chat. Chat's notice we're down a man today. Oh yeah. Um, Marcus isn't here. Pinkfresh isn't here today because he has like family busy stuff. Um, but I guess this is an easy transition to let everyone know that um, Hazmat's here to stay. We got a new. We got a new permanent crew member. <laughs> I'm so excited. Tweak is like before the first thing you want to talk about. I'm like, hell yeah, I'm proud as shit that I'm on this show. It's awesome. It's a really fun time. So, no, I really appreciate it. Thank you, Tweak. Thank you, Charles. Marcus, too. I have a blast. And thank you, chat. Um, I've seen some feedback. We're going to keep uh, plugging away. I'm going to personally keep improving myself and work on it and take in that valuable feedback and improve myself. But I think that kind of leads into our, our main topic for today, too. I don't know if you want to dive into that yet or, or maybe in a little bit, but yeah. it's up to you. You're the boss. We gotta do the the shill intro first um this oh, is actually, actually our 11th episode by the way it feels like it's just going so fast um but today's topic is actually going to be like coaching taking advice improvement like stuff along those lines i think that's something a lot of people always are interested in just because a lot of us are just interested in smash and improving um but i guess Something I can talk about along those lines is I actually have a Metify now as of like a week ago. Um, there's a Metify command in the chat if you guys are interested in like doing a lesson with me, like playing the playing Smash with me. Uh, feel free to check that out. Also, um, that'll be in like the YouTube description, all that good stuff. I've been uploading like every day of the week, like Monday through Friday. Uh, Saturday and Sundays, I take days off. So if you guys are enjoying that... Um, Please hit the sub button. We actually just got to 40,000 subscribers. A big goal. Uh, Crunch, Alex, and I have had. Hell yeah. Crunch and Alex being my two editors. Like, we want to get to 50K before the summer. Um, so, definitely trying to do that. So, sorry for the intro, but please, if you guys are enjoying this stuff, please support it in any way you can. And I guess we can get straight into the topics today. So, what oh, yeah. brought Did upon you... this topic? I was just a couple couple things the first one is do you say so saturday and sunday is your day off so this is your day off you're chilling well work it's my day off you're from like youtube <laughs> you're like drake you know working on the weekends like usual that's you <laughs> <laughs> um Ryan, but anyway dude. yeah so the topic came up we have on the show i figured it was a great opportunity we we're kind of talking about topics for this week we have charles obviously veteran coach of the scene been around forever tsm uh, amazing coach to you tweak so you've learned a lot from him, obviously, over the last couple of years and, and for how long you guys have known each other. But Tweak, you're a new coach to the scene, and you're already kind of asking these questions like, how do I you know, navigate these waters of being a coach? It's going really well. All I've seen so far on Twitter is, is really rave reviews about you know, all the knowledge that you've been able to pass on to people. So I've always thought, and something that's been instilled and taught to me by my dad, is that being coachable is the number one thing that you could be as a competitor and honestly as a human. Being able to learn take in information, process it, and apply it to what you're trying to do is, is so important. And I think it's a lesson that everyone can can grow from. So I thought it'd be a good thing to talk about since we kind of have a lot of different ranges of experience in here in terms of coaching and also being a player and getting coached and, and all that good stuff. So I thought it'd be a fun topic. I think chat can learn a thing or two from it. So For sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's actually one of the, the, one of the reasons why we are having this is obviously tweaks are coaching on medify and just like feedback from you guys in you know the twitter twitter comments youtube comments so keep them coming um we we go through them we read them the good and the bad uh so <laughs> we 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 definitely really appreciate your feedback so thank you so much Oh, yo, shouts to Void. He also started Medify. All, all the players are getting on it, man. Oh, yeah. All the, all the players are really, really getting on it. He's got a nasty worm. 
Tweak's a, a trend center. I, he did it, and then I started seeing a million of them pop up. Like I swear, he, he was the breaking point right there. Yeah, That's I think opinion. it's. Uh, I think it's really sick to see the players um, get into coaching. Uh, just, I mean, crank it back. When I started coaching, like nobody wanted to do it. Like yeah. it was, it was just a very. I don't know, maybe like because it was the beginning of Smash Four when I started coaching. So it's like so much people were so focused on competing back then, and. Smash wasn't as big, right? Smash 4 just generally, especially at the start, it just wasn't as big. So I think the structure of it really didn't like deem for it. So it's really interesting to see how coaching has grown. And like just because Smash has grown so big to the point where now all these top players are starting to do coaching, which is, I, I like for me as, as a veteran coach, I really enjoy seeing. And even, you know, um, having other players ask me for like coaching tips because most most top players they'll ask me for like in-game tips right which i don't mind talking about just talking about the game in general but I, I i think top players are are so like will be really good coaches because they talk about the game so much so and that's how i get a lot of my knowledge on the game i just talk to top players about matchups you know uh, of all different skill levels so yeah it's really sick yeah and i think like the most the best thing about top players getting coaching is that they've been there and done it. They've made it. Like they, they, mm -hmm. the evidence is that they have done this thing, that they've become a top player. They've reached this top echelon. They've reached a level of success in the community um, where what they say is something that you can really trust and really valuable that you can go off of. And being a top player is composed of a lot of things. It's not just knowing, you know, matchups or execution or how to practice. It's mentality. It's preparation. It's like, what do you do in this situation where I think Charles, we're, we're, respectable enough competitors in our own right but we're not top players i think getting right. that kind of next level um truth behind what you're saying it, it can have a really really big impact so i agree i love seeing these players kind of spread their wings a little bit and also uh learn a, a new skill themselves too because when you coach you're also learning like that's always yeah. a thing too coaches you know a lot but at the same time it might be like you know i never really thought about that let's you know, work on this together or figure it out so it's it's a really cool thing to see kind of pop up in the community now or, or become more popular for me, it's it's like going off what you said. It's like the different perspectives. Like when I'm playing the game, it's usually like all internalized, and I'm like you know f figuring things out as I go. I practice, I reflect on stuff. But when I'm like doing like a metafy session with someone, it's like you know I'm playing the game with them, but I also have to be looking out for things to help them with, rather than like I'm looking out like. I'm looking out for stuff to beat you. Like when I'm usually practicing, I'm looking out for things to take advantage of it. But you know, when I'm doing a metafy session with someone, like I'll like take that step back and really watch them to like, okay, let me see if this is like, you know, possibly a questionable decision or is this like a, a straight up habit? Like, you know, like I won't punish it this time. Like I'll keep waiting. And then like, you know, I'll talk about it with them. It's like, you know, verbalizing like, like the game and like having a different perspective. Like it's like, it's, it kind of feels like a win-win for everyone. It feels like I'm learning a lot. It feels like I'm like gaining a different perspective. It feels like I'm helping them. And it's like, it's been really, really fun uh, so far. And um, it's surprisingly like just something I feel like I'm, you know, I'm just enjoying it a lot. And I feel like I'm getting a lot out of it too, just smash wise. Yeah. Teaching. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Te te teaching is always just really fun. I, I, Again, like I said, I, I just feel like now that Ultimate's just a lot bigger, it's something that is being pushed for a lot more, which is really sick. So, yeah, yeah. Right, go, go ahead, Haz. 
Yeah, I was going to say, it's kind of like, sometimes too, what I find at, at locals or, or even at other tournaments or just talking to people is sometimes like the most knowledgeable person in the room also isn't necessarily the best player in the room, which I think says a lot to, to what you were saying, Tweak, where there's always something that you can learn. The game is insane, especially Ultimate. There's a thousand characters, there's a million different scenarios you need to look out for and think about. Obviously, you can generalize everything down, but very specific, very niche situations, there's so much that you can learn. Even as a commentator, I know you get this too, Charles, because the second you say one thing wrong on commentary, that's the only thing they hone in on and you're a terrible commentator and you're the worst <laughs> but it's like how was i supposed to know that one little piece of knowledge about jigglypuff against meat gunner how the hell am i supposed to know that like what are the odds yeah. that that's going to happen or, or that i should know to look out for that i guess it's a part of the job but that's like really getting you know down there but in terms of knowing more or learning more about the game like you said tweak it can go both ways because it's like wow i never really thought about it that way or especially because in this game, there's so many different characters and ways to look at the game and play it. That's how you you view things. You know, like yeah. this thing is broken because my character has a hard time dealing with it. Like your own experiences mold kind of your knowledge and how you think about and view the game. Yeah. So it's kind of impossible for me to see the game the same exact way as, as either of you, honestly, because we don't really play the same characters. We even have kind of remotely the same play style. And then we're our own people on top of that. So and I think that's like some of the most beautiful stuff about fighting games and, and competitive stuff in general. Just like the outlook that everyone can have on how to achieve their goals. It's just, it's so cool. Yeah. Like, yeah, a lot of it is perspective as well. I feel like uh, there's so much people that they have, they have like a specific ego for their knowledge of the game. So it's like, oh, I'm a high level player, so I can only learn stuff from a top level player because top level players are the only ones that beat me and all these mid to low level players are anyone that I can beat, like I cannot learn anything from, which is a very, very shit way to grow and learn. And that's probably that's one of the bigger things when it comes to like being coachable. So someone with that mentality is very not coachable. And even when you think about it, like that high level player, do they have access in terms of resources to all these top level players, right? Like it, it, it depends on your situation. Some people don't have the resources to get that level um, of help, right? So you have to like make do with what resources you have. Um, I, and there's so many times where I've sat down and I've played friendlies at like a tournament. Like I'm, I'm at a tournament, someone at like some random person just comes up to me, hey, you wanna play friendlies? Yeah, sure. And even if I'm beating them in friendlies, like I'll talk to them about like specific matchups we're playing and they'll drop knowledge on me or a certain perspective on me that like I maybe I didn't really see it like that, right? And even if I don't really agree with that perspective, um, and I, I, here's another thing that I feel like people aren't really good at talking about Smash. Like, so if I don't agree with something, most people will come off or like from my experience, they'll come off like pretty aggressive and they'll be like, oh, that's just wrong, blah, 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 right? But I think the thing that makes fighting games so beautiful is there's so many different angles you can take from it, right? Because there's never just like do this and you win. Um, there's always counterplay in a fighting game for the most part, right? So it's like seeing other people's perspective on how they tackle certain situations is very interesting. And you should, even if you don't agree with it, you should kind of just be like, okay, that's an interesting way to look at it and then continue the conversation on, right? Because when you do it that way, you're not, it doesn't feel hostile. Um, if if some like if someone comes up to me and they say something right and I don't agree with it, I'm like, nah, that's just wrong. Like at, <laughs> at that point, they can they can feel like maybe he's like insulting my intelligence or maybe like maybe he's just not about this conversation, right? So it's like then the conversation kind of like won't go because if I did that to someone and they just stopped talking to me and like maybe they had a bunch of information about a character I don't know about, right? but they just didn't want to keep talking to me because I just sound like an asshole or like they think I'm an asshole because I said that even if I didn't mean it that way. Right. But if, if I'm yeah. just like, Oh cool. Like um, 
I don't really agree with that, but like that's an interesting perspective and blah, blah, blah. I would like to see other things that, you know, your other perspectives on the game through via whatever character. And I've learned, I've learned so much about the game from talking to many different levels of players, like a vast majority. I've talked mm-hmm. to so many people about Smash. It's like insane. I would go to locals, talk to like O2ers, like people mid- midway through the top level players. Like I talked to anyone I can about Smash because I know that there's so much information from so many different types of players that I can get. And even like for perspective, one of the things that really opened me up to perspective, I used to be very stubborn about like my opinions on Smash, but Light was actually one of the first players that really like opened up my mind in terms of just like being more open about the game. Cause like when I first, if you, if I'm not going to go too deep into it, but essentially like when Light first started, um, you know, popping off in Smash 4, he played Smash Stick, and it was very solidified in the Fox meta, and I was a Fox main in Smash 4, that you played Tilt Stick. It was, like, the optimal thing to do. But Light came in with this whole other playstyle, Smash Stick, had access to different options that I didn't think were that great, but he still made it work. And that, like, and that's why I respect him so much as a player, and he's, like, a really good friend of mine now. Um, and I love talking to Light about the game because he gives me so many different perspectives that I would never... Like, I would never look at the game the way he does. So, like, the fact that he, like, whenever I talk to him, he gives me all these different angles to look at the game. It's so amazing for me, and I learned so much about the game from him, and I just really respect him as a player. So, uh, just keeping perspective is a big deal, is pretty much my main point. Yeah, one of the main reasons I ended up going with Metafy is because, you know, I was, like, thinking about it, I'm like, uh, like, I usually prioritize my own practice, like, I'm usually not one to coach, like, I just didn't see myself as someone doing that, just because, you know, I have a lot to work on myself all the time, and I'm always trying to, you know, improve, so it's like, it feels like I didn't have the time or energy to help other people, but then I realized, you know, even when I'm playing with high-level, top-level players every day, after we play, which is, they always hit me up for advice and I always give them advice. I talk to them for like, you know, like 30 minutes to an hour, like after the practice stream, like just chatting with them about like what went out, what, what went down in the games. You know, they ask me for advice. And first off, like these guys are really good players in their own right. You know, some people would expect them to have the ego to just like not ask for advice at all and just kind of move on. Um, but Every level of player asks for advice, even if, like, you know, you wouldn't expect it. So, and I was like, okay, like, I actually have more experience, you know, giving advice and coaching than I thought I did. Like, so let me actually try this, like, you know, on Medify. And it's it's been great so far. Yeah, and I think you guys both kind of mentioned this, but I think the part of ego is a big part of being accepting and being willing and able to be a student is like one of the biggest things ever. Like you're never done learning in life, no matter what state, I don't care if you're eight or if you're 88, you know what I mean? Like there's always way more for you to learn, especially when it comes to a craft that you're trying to perfect. You're never done. Like you said, tweak, you're like, I love that you said that. Cause you're like, I'm still working a lot on myself, but that yeah. doesn't mean that you can't be a coach or you can't teach other people. And it's kind of this building and learning experience together. Like you kind of teach me, Damn it, it kind of sounds like the Pokemon theme song. You know, you teach me, I teach you. God, yeah, dude. Yeah. I hate that that clicked in my head. Like, that was so bang. annoying. Yeah, that's a bang. That's not what I would call that. But but seriously, like you, you learn from each other and you continue to grow. And I think that's why it's so important to be open to those things, regardless of who's giving you that information. And I think 
some of the smartest and like most successful people at their crafts are never afraid to ask questions and never afraid to and that's a vulnerable position to be in right like you're kind of admitting that you don't know something which can be i tweeted the other day i was like how do you wall tech with this jump like specifically i didn't know i was like sometimes i get it sometimes i don't i must yeah. be holding and some people were like what the fuck you didn't know that no i didn't know care. i don't fucking know that there's a million things in this game how am i supposed to know every single thing i'm like i had an idea and sometimes i got it but it feels like i don't get it that much you're like what's the deal yeah, i got the right. answer but it still came with its criticism. Like, oh, you're you're supposed to be, you know, this this knowledgeable commentator. I'm like, this is why I am. Because I'm not, I don't care. I'll ask these questions. You gotta. How how if I was just ashamed and I never asked, I was actually talking to someone else, I won't name who it was. They also didn't know. And they're they're a, a good player in the scene. <laughs> well like person. I'm not saying who it is Expose at all. <laughs> no, no, no. I won't do that. I would never do that to late. It's just not in my, you know, didn't know as well. And I was like, we got to find out. I was like, I don't know. I was like, I'll ask on Twitter. I don't, I don't care. Yeah. He was like, thanks for doing that. You know, and, uh, <laughs> so, so but it's so important to do that. And I think one of the most, I'm trying to remember where I heard this, but one of the stories about Kobe Bryant that I heard is that he would always, it didn't matter what you did or, or who you are, he was always interested and he always asked questions about how you got better at what you did. And he was always, always learning. Like he, he was never afraid to ask questions. And I think it's one of the most, I mean, there's a lot of things you can respect about Kobe Bryant as, as a competitor, but he was never afraid to stop learning. And I think that's why he achieved the, the heights that he did. So if you're ever afraid to ask a question, there's, there's no such thing as, a, I guess there could be a stupid question, Technically, I'm not going to say there's no such thing for like, like, how do I move? It's like, all right, well, hold on, pal. Like, you should probably know how you move in the game. Like, that's that's not some things you should naturally know on your own. Yeah. But other times, don't ever be afraid to ask somebody, especially, you know, if you trust them and all this stuff. Don't be afraid of, to be vulnerable. That's how you learn. Like, there's a lot of different perspectives. There's a lot of vague things to smash. Like, there's a lot of things that aren't like right or wrong. So I think mm -hmm. you make a great that's point. True. And yeah, I actually I forgot what I was about to say. I, I swear it was good. I swear it was good. Um. Damn it! Sorry, bro. Damn, it just—it's <laughs> right, gone. Dude. But I think even I'll, um, come, going, I'll get back to it. Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> going off of uh, what Tweak said earlier about him, like he—he he was kind of like on the fence. He was like, "Ah, should I? Like, I don't have much experience coaching, but like realistically, he's been coaching pretty much as long as he's been playing Smash because he's giving advice, right? And this is a very common thing." Um, I one thing I want to just generally talk about is the Smash community kind of breeds that in a sense where it's like the if you've never been to a big offline tournament, there's a lot of regional pride. So it's like it, um, you know, back when I lived in Hawaii, when we when all the Hawaii uh, players would go out and travel to a tournament, we would all cheer for each other. We want we want the region to do as well as possible, and I think that kind of goes for every other region, right? So you generally want to. Like you have your local community, so you play with each other's local locally and stuff. But you try not to like withhold information for the most part. You try to like, oh, okay, like to beat Fox Illusion, you do this, like because at the end of the day, you want them to do the best kind of like you want them to play as best as possible, so you can grow too, right? So when you do travel out to these bigger tournaments, your region can do strong, like do well at the tournament. So I think the way Smash is generally structured, like like with all the local scenes and then all these local scenes collide right at this national tournament kind of deal. I think that just like promotes uh, just helping each other out and coaching, um, especially like the smaller your region, the more prominent it is. So that was, you know, I grew up in Hawaii, so our scene was very, very small. So, you know, the core group of players that played, like I 
tried my very best and all the other players tried their very best to kind of bounce off of each other and, you know, like help each other grow as much as possible. And even with that, so I, I, I want to talk about asking for advice because this is something that a lot of players are very bad at. I see it on stream. I see it, you know, at tournaments. And there's nothing wrong with that, um, obviously, like especially if it's your, you know, first tournament or your first time with Smash and you, you just want advice, right? Like, how do I get better? Um, with, with asking for advice, the main thing you want to do is be specific with what you're asking for. It is, it is a very general question when you're just like, oh, so how do I get better at Smash after playing someone that beat you or whatnot, right? And it, there's, it's, it's so hard to answer that because even in a top-level player's gameplay, there's still a lot of holes in their gameplay. Like there, There's still so much things that a top player can improve on. And if you're not a top player, then that's even more of that, right? So like, where do you even begin? Um, so you, you kind of want to pinpoint how you ask for advice. Like, okay, so um, I felt like when I was on the ledge, I just kind of got beat up like do you do you have any advice for me to like maybe not get ledge trapped as hard right like so it's it, stuff like that where you're asking like in specific areas that you feel weak in your gameplay that's really good so at when you ask for specific advice you will get very like specific answers you know very specific suggestions but if you ask for general advice you'll get very general answers so that's kind of yeah. like the expectation and it might just be what they see too. Like if there's something you really want to improve on, you should ask about it. Because if you just say you leave it up to the other person to tell you what direction to run into versus, you know, kind of being more uh, taking the initiative a little bit more with where you want to go with your gameplay. Like I feel like my advantage state's really strong, but how do I improve at disadvantage state? Or, or wh how did you make it so easy to, to trap me at the ledge? Like what could I do better there? Like I don't understand. Like that's where I was getting my ass kicked. And it shows some recognition on your part too, which is really important as a player to know where you're weak because... Well, and I think maybe some people need help with that, which is where coaches come in. Hey, you only chose two ledge options that whole time. Did you even know that? It's like, oh, shit, I didn't even know I was doing that. That's crazy. Yeah. You double jumped a lot in this situation. Did you know that? Nope, I didn't. Even though you, you your stock might have gotten taken three times in the same game in the same way, and you might not even notice it, that it's a habit that you have. Yeah. So it's just... It's so important. So fast, so. Yeah, definitely. And, it, and that's why I think it's so good to have... Um, like a third perspective or, or an additional perspective there. Cause you don't even notice that you made these things into habits at, at yes. a certain point. So asking the guided questions is so important. And even if you're thinking about what should I ask about, I think that's the next step level to like really help you improve your gameplay anyway. Like where can I get stronger? Where am I weak? Like that's a, an important self discovery uh, mission that you need to go on whenever you play. How do I get better? Where am I weak? Like acknowledging again, a vulnerability, in your play and, and who you are as a competitor is, is so important. It's hard to do. It's not easy to do that, to admit that you have these flaws that, that you know, can get exposed by good players. Yeah, I remember, like, even, like, this is, like, a pretty recent thing that I fully, like, was, like, you know, accepting. It's, like, whenever, like, a something, like, a, a general technique surfaces in, like, a Smash game, like, whether it's Smash 4 or Ultimate, whether it's, like, character specific or just general like sometimes it would take me longer to actually like sit down and practice it because it's like it's like the ego like uh we were talking about earlier it's like you know i don't need this like my play is perfectly fine like i think um there's definitely been a lot of moments throughout uh you know my smash experience where i've been like really close-minded because you know i've sat down and practiced a bunch of specific things i've learned a bunch of things on my own and you know i just don't i it, it it's like i feel like i've already mastered something and when i see something new it's like i don't need that um 
uh i just thought that was an interesting thing to add because for example like uh like instant double jump like i didn't even give it a shot because i was like this is silly like i i do quick double jumps all the time and then with sephiroth like i actually sat down and figured out a bunch of few specific things with it and it's like all right like i definitely need to be more open-minded you know, and people like will suggest certain things, and like sometimes I'll actually take the time to try it out. Like, um, I feel like my Diddy Kong is as crazy as it is because I've actually tried my best to find that middle ground of actually, like, you know, reasonably trying all the specific techniques, you know, and whether I actually end up using them or not, like, at least I can know I considered it rather than, you know, thinking my fundamentals are so strong that I don't need to learn anything new. Because I feel like when you play for a long time, you you just don't think you need anything specific anymore, because you're just so comfortable with the basics. Yeah, yeah. Always like trying to, and that's the thing about tech, right? And all the lab rat stuff. It's like, okay, how applicable is this? Yeah. Um, is it worth putting into my gameplay? Uh, people say it's this good, but is it really? And being open-minded enough and not letting your ego take full control of that particular situation is also just you'll never know it's really good try you know yeah yeah exactly and even just like outside resources too like there's there's a lot of great books out there and you know the word ego keeps coming up especially when it comes to like not exactly coaching i mean i guess it still applies to coaching but being coachable ego is a very big deal um ego is the enemy i think is the book's name that's a really good book um even like inner game of tennis is a really good book there, there's a lot of good uh like sports books out there that are just really good you know reading material to like kind of study up on all the different aspects of competition yeah, at the competition end of the day is the word here this that, sure. that's what you're studying right you're studying competition um obviously that's more of like the mental side of things but that that's a, that's a big deal and there's even been areas when i'm coaching someone and i can i like i call them out for certain emotions they're feeling right like i'm like oh in this particular situation when you're in the, the corner and the opponent's positioned like x you will do y you roll here because you're scared you're so scared and you do it every time and um you know kind of and and that's when you're that's why coaching can be so hard because smash is a game where there's a lot of technical stuff going on but it's also like how you're feeling is the, how you're going to play so um you know certain characters will psych out other players like for I, i'll even use myself for example like uh, when i play against shotos like i psych myself out like there, there's like clear counterplay <laughs> against them but i get i get very scared i i always like think of like the worst case i just like envision myself dying at 50 and i'm like then then that stirs like anger and that makes me like want to hit them and then that the, the, like it's like this cycle of emotions so even understanding yourself or even trying to understand other players like you can't it, it's really hard to understand other players and how they emotionally feel unless you kind of go through that cycle yourself um which is why there, there's a lot of people that come up to me and they're like oh hey i'm new to ultimate and i really like coaching but they haven't competed at all and it, it's really i think it's still possible to do that but i i've competed since like 08 09 you know so like um, I definitely don't have like a top player resume, but it's you've still gone through the process of like competing, um, you know, getting defeated and then like going through that process of like losing, winning, losing, winning and, you know, growing from that. I still think you need to somewhat go through that to be able to coach players, especially yeah. because, like I said, it's just a mix of like technical technicalities and emotions. Right. 
Yeah, like I could coach you on how to fly an airplane. I don't know how well it would go because I've never done it before. But like I've been on one and like I've seen a pilot do it. And I've watched movies with planes in it. So it might work out. But kind of going back to originally what we said, you need to have that credibility and that kind of first person experience. Because is that what you would want? If someone's like, I'm going to teach you how to do this. And you say, well, how do you know? And it's like, oh, because I've done it a million times. All right, cool. Yeah, sounds good. That's the experience that I want to go off of. So yeah, yeah for even if you're not necessarily like a top, top level player, even if you're a competitor who's done well for themselves and has been there before, like I think that's the most important part is sharing that human experience of how did you deal with this? Like what worked, even if you don't know, like, here's what didn't work for me. Like, that's yeah. another great way to coach. Here's what don't fucking, here's, here's where I crashed and burned. Like, definitely don't stay up all night, you know, whatever that never works. Don't drink a coffee, like whatever, you know, whatever your, your, your rhythms are before a tournament, all these things that you can kind of learn from are so important. And I think, you know, another point I wanted to touch upon Charles too, before I went off on that, you know, you gotta know, you gotta know what you're talking about. I think that's an important thing too, is knowing what information is good and, and works for you and, and kind of what doesn't. Cause I know you see this in, when you do commentary, Charles, sometimes you'll see uh, bad feedback, X, Y, and Z, you know what I mean? And good feedback, honestly, also applies to this as well. I see it all the time. Sometimes people, you need to know how to filter out what actually applies to you, what what criticism is there to help you grow and become better and what you can work on. And then sometimes there's just things that people are going to say that aren't helpful and aren't good and they just exist because because they're, they're jerks or whatever. Like that's another, those are two different categories. So my point is like, there's always going to be feedback coming at you especially when you're kind of in the public eye like that and some of it is really constructive and you can really grow and learn from it and other stuff is just kind of toxic and you can kind of just ignore that and you guys will see that if you play on stream some people will be like this rob sucks like he 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 moves so slow it's like what does that even mean like what is that a real <laughs> thing am i really moving slow like you got to think about it too like there's right. there's such a critical eye that you have to have when you're when you're being a student and maybe you are moving slow and you're like oh man this guy this guy's being a jerk but he might have a point my rob is kind of kind of sh- uh sh- you know that's movement. He's slowing around. It's right. not good. I think something that um, I thought I've brought to a lot of my Metafy lessons that's pretty interesting is like it kind of goes off what you were saying earlier. Like I'll notice something that they're doing a lot, and because I see it often from like every level of player, maybe even my, I do it a lot myself. It's like despite me having this habit too like i share this habit with you but i'm seeing it and i'll let you know like why it might be you know easy for your opponent to deal with it and like you know something you can do to change that for example i know you guys are going to know what i'm talking about especially with platforms when your opponents um or when you are your opponent you're already out of hit stun but you neutral tech on the platform anyways because you want that brief invincibility to get the reversal afterwards right everyone does it like more than half the time probably even more than that um and it's such an easy thing to punish because like you know you're already out of hit stun like you could have done a million things before teching um and then you tech in place on top of that and like it just gives your opponent like the perfect opportunity to like do like a falling aerial on you or like charge a smash attack um there's just an example that i've noticed this with like multiple like people I've done Metafy lessons with already. And even though I'm telling them about this, I'll probably go and practice tomorrow and, and do that. Um, because like there's, an, there's, a, there's reasoning behind why people do it, but it's so common and it's so easy to punish that I'm like, you know, if you're out of hit stun, definitely consider like, don't go for this invincibility gamble. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, that's just an example or like let's say like someone says like oh damn like i missed like a crucial punish here like i could have got a kill 
um and like you know that costed me the match it's like you got to ask him like was it really as crucial as you think it was like did this really cost you the entire match like um there's very few situations in smash that like you know this is the one interaction like why you lost um right and that's something i like try to like tell people often is like like let's say like you're down a stock and you could have evened it up with a kill um but you messed up the confirm or you missed something you know and you're like damn like i could have evened it up there like but now i'm gonna lose it's like there's still like four minutes four or five minutes on the clock like you have a lot of time to work with to bring this back and even potentially win let alone like even up the match so i think asking someone like you know why like i charles was mentioning something about this like you know like the feelings behind like people's like thoughts and like you know their play you know sometimes you gotta really like break it down to the core like you know is is it even reasonable to think this way or is it like like you know you need that other perspective to show like someone that maybe things aren't as black and white as you thought yeah i think i remember what i was going to say because charles you kind of touched upon it again too tweak where it's like when you're talking about you know not just why a player does something hold on let me think here for a second because it was oh okay i think there's always like a good answer to any problem that you kind of have in the game so like charles for example you don't like fighting shadows because they're scary because they kill you at 50 totally reasonable feeling uh to have and and totally understandable to have that affect your gameplay right like that makes perfect sense right i think the thing is is a lot of people get caught up and they start saying this is bullshit this shouldn't happen this isn't smash is what i hear all the time (laughs) and it's like okay those are all those are feelings you can have. That's totally fine. But what do you do with them? Like, yeah. and so what? It's, Sonic Spin Dash is bullshit. Another situation where and... you really break it down to the core, right? Like, you know, you can say this, like, but like, why? Oh, like, yeah. you really got to ask yourself why. You could sit there and feel, I could sit here and feel Diddy Kong's banana is horseshit and there's <laughs> no, like, it just is. And it makes me so mad what am I going to do about it? You know, yeah. a lot of people just get caught on the, this is bullshit. They write off it as an excuse. That's it. Like, that's the end of the story. Yeah. It's bullshit. I'm mad. I'm tilted. The match is It's over. the easy way out. Yeah. What are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. And hey, sometimes people it? don't know. And I feel like that's what tilts people is like, they yeah. don't, they can't find the answer naturally. So it tilts them and then it becomes a bigger problem. Finding that the and is like the big thing. This is bullshit. And, and then you move on to the solution. Then you, you deal with it and you're like, okay, it's still bullshit, but at least I know what I'm doing against it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Right, and I, I think a, a reason why a lot of people don't get past the end is because it takes effort. It yeah. takes a lot of effort. That's what I was saying. Um, it's, it's really hard. Right, right, like, and it's... Uh, oh, yeah. It, it requires research, and it also requires, like, counterplay. I remember the first time I lost to Bayonetta in Smash 4. I was literally amazed. I, <laughs> I sat there on the chair, and I didn't believe what happened to me. <laughs> this, that so, was not Smash. To be fair, that was awesome, though. I won't say, like, the player or whatever, but essentially, like, I was in Hawaii playing locals. Um, a player that has never beaten me in tournament. Bayo drops. He picks up Bayo. He not only beats me, he shits on me 2-0. 2-0. He 2-0'd me. He's never beaten me in tournament. I stared at the victory screen. I remember staring at the victory screen in literal awe. And this was the player. No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but like, I remember... I was just staring at the screen. I was just like, this isn't real. Like I, I was, I was convinced that that wasn't real life. And then like, I, I just like walked outside. I was like, damn, I'm not dreaming or anything. Like, 
I just got too old. And this 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 player literally just picked up Bayo. Like this what? Hawaii, what? Yeah, this is in Hawaii. Okay, so I know yeah, yeah. So I I, I and like I wasn't mad. I wasn't mad at the player. Like he's just playing a character that's really strong. But like I the the next like night the like literally the next night I did a bunch of research. Um, I was like, okay, so smash the eyes a thing. I I sat there and I smashed the eyes smart bombs for hours. And I was like, I am never ever going to lose to that shit ever again. And I like my hand got, got hurt and it, I was just SDI on my control. Hours I did this. And I, that's how salty I was. Um, but like, it's like, it's using that salt or that anger for, for improving yourself. Like yeah. it's, there's no way I can tell people to not be like pissed at the game. You can still be pissed at the game and not be toxic. Right. Like I'm not going to go up to Terry players and be like, I hate you, the person, because you play a character. No, I just hate. Shout out to Riddles in the chat, by the way. Uh, right, I just, I just don't like playing against Shotos because, hate you, and I, and, <laughs> and and even knowing why you don't like it, right? Like really understanding why I don't like Shotos because it when when I have a lead and I die to like rage specifically or comeback mechanics, I I I feel like I'm being robbed, even though that's not the case because that's how the character works. I that's what I feel like because I want neutral like 70 to 80 percent of the time, and then so like this other player gets one or two openings, right? When I got most of the openings, and that that's why I feel that way, and I like. And that's what makes me angry. But like, I also just have to understand that that's how the character operates, right? And the characters' neutrals usually aren't strong with characters like yeah. that, right? So when they do get that opening, and they also don't like have disjoints or like incredible speed for the most part. So you know, if you have projectiles, zoners, like understanding like what they're weak to and all that, just really just doing the effort and doing the research, right? And then trying to like, so it's like, okay, now that I know all this, like I need to camp the Shoto players out more like they they want to interact but like I have to make sure that I don't interact with them as much or um knowing how to interact with them when they have the go meter when they have the max rage right when those stars really align for them for that situation and understanding like how to play in that particular situation I think if you had another perspective like for me it's like you say like oh like you know let's say there's 10 neutral interactions I win eight of them you know and this character wins two of them and wins off it in another perspective, it's like, okay, well, those two interactions are just clearly more important than the other eight. Like, who cares about those eight if you lost the two that really mm-hmm. mattered, right? So it's right. like, you know, sometimes you need that other perspective, and that's where stuff like coaching or, like, you know, dropping the ego and asking for advice can really help. Because um, I think another thing is, like, if you play a character, like, sometimes you just view a matchup as black and white. It's like, you know, this doesn't work. I can't do this. They do this. It'll beat me no matter what. And... Um, a lot of people don't take it farther than that. Because um, like we said, it, it takes effort. It's the, the easy way out is to just, you know, be like, oh, well, that's it. how it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just give up, basically. Well, and it's easy to find other people with a shared experience. Yes, Spin Dash is bullshit. Yes, Banana is bullshit. Yes, Shoryu is bullshit. And everyone feels that way. And yeah. then you kind of just commiserate together and then nothing gets solved like you're just like yep it's bullshit you write it off and hopefully i don't run into uh, a cannon bracket right like, yeah. hopefully that doesn't happen that's like kind of what you're banking on instead of figuring it out actually i think charles you said a really important thing too where you as a person not even just outside of smash 2 like that's a, a bigger picture stuff 
can mm-hmm. always have your emotions. You know what I mean? You can feel sad. You can feel angry. You can feel whatever you want to feel. Like feelings are in their own bucket. It's what you do with them that really matters. You can be super pissed. You can be super mad. But if you keep your composure, you avoid the, the win conditions of your opponent, and you you buckle it down and, and get a win, that's really impressive. You can also get really mad and tilt and throw. SD, chuck your control on the ground. That's also an option. So it's, <laughs> a lot of it is, and this goes back to that ego checking a little bit, checking your feelings and, and making sure that what you're doing with them is constructive and helping you reach your goals. You can get mad. It doesn't matter. Like that's the thing. You just got to stay in control. And that's, that's such an important thing to do. You can be stressed. It doesn't matter. You, you can be scared like Charles, you know, playing against the Shotos, but you can't mash air dodge every time. I know you're scared, but like, you just can't do it because it's going to get caught on and they're, they're going to crush you for it. Yeah. It's just this. And this is all just rolls up to kind of a bigger topic of, you know, beyond smash of just like how to manage and how to learn and how to do all these things. That's, that's so important. It's really the long haul. I feel like, and um, another thing that a lot of people, uh, when I coach, they're very, they're very hyper focused on results. So they're like, oh, well, like I'm clearly getting worse because I'm placing worse. It's like, no, well, everyone's improving, and your improvement rate might not be as high, or maybe you just had a bad day, or maybe you ran into a bad matchup, and you're just not particularly strong. There are so many variables in and out of the game that affect your results. What you, as a player, that is you know wants to be coachable or just just wants to improve in general is you want to you want to make sure your improvement rate is as high as possible it's like okay my improvement rate i I just want to increase my improvement rate how do i do that um you know i have a specific list of things i want to work on i have you know a specific list of other tech that i want to work on i ask these people for advice i try to get as much outside input as possible and yeah i actually um i used to have uh, this problem a lot actually where I would coach people and they they liked my coaching so much they'll be like all right next week was that booking another lesson for next week I'm like yeah okay well hold hold on buddy I I just I gave you a big <laughs> list of things to work on and I'll tell yep. you right now like you're not gonna be better at these things next week and next week I'm gonna literally like look at your gameplay you from thing. a week after and it's gonna be the same thing yeah. like the, yeah. these things take a lot of time to work on so if you are getting coaching I recommend at a bare minimum of two weeks but like realistically I think monthly lessons are pretty realistic in terms of just like okay boom got my list of things to improve on bang try to knock these out I'll see you next month when I like worked on these things right um, and even though obviously it's beneficial for me to, you know, get more money from the person I'm coaching, like, I, I also want to just be real with them, right? Yeah. Like, hey, man, like, you just, yeah. you need to give yourself time to improve on. And another thing, too, uh, that I want to touch up on is like, like how players have different play styles. There's a lot of coaches that have different coaching styles, too. It's not just for playing the game right like coaching and i get and when i whenever you hear the word coaching you can also just replace it with teaching it's like literally the same thing a lot of people have different styles of teaching some some people are a lot better at like okay i'll play you and i will tell you what you're doing wrong off of what you know you know how we're playing or whatnot then there's other people that and and usually i would say for the most part if you want the most bang for your buck out of a coach you would just do water reviews like unless you just really want to play with the coach themselves because when, when you're VOD reviewing, you are putting 100% effort into watching, right? Um, now, obviously, if the, uh, your opponent is a lot better than you, then they can put less effort into playing because they're just that much better than you and more effort into like looking at your gameplay and dissecting your gameplay. But when you do VOD review, no matter what, 100% of the effort is just looking at your gameplay. So that's what I, I always recommend. Obviously, you know, like I said, there is different styles, right? 
Um, so just even finding the coach that matches your style of learning, because every like every player has different styles of in which they learn. So uh, I will tell this to people all the time. They'll be like, so do you think you're the best coach for you know me or just in general? I'm like, eh, to me, there's like no best coach, How right? Do you even do like that? there's yeah. obviously there's there's coaches. It's a very it's not like a tournament where you just say, OK, <laughs> so we're going to do these string of tournaments, these coaching tournaments and whoever like plays the best. We're going to have a coaching PGR like that's not how it works. Um, great idea though. Maybe we, should look in, maybe we should look into that. Yeah, we're doing that next week. But it's just like at the end of the day, people have different styles of teaching, and everyone has different styles of learning. And you really got to experiment. And I tell people this all the time that hire me for coaching, and I'll just be like, yeah, just try try out different coaches. See, you know, try different lessons with different coaches. See which teaching style suits best with your learning style. And then go from there, right? Because you, you, at the end of the day, we're all humans. There's so much different things about us, right? So you're you could just vibe a lot better with someone else in terms of like with how they teach. So yeah, I, super I true. Remember, like, there's some specific. There's just a lot of specific stuff that I find really interesting with like um some of the lessons I've done. Like um one of the cool things about Metify is like when they like book a lesson, they'll have like a a brief like you know, a couple sentences, like what they're looking forward to, like what they want to improve on before we actually get to the lesson itself. So I always read it beforehand, like try to get an idea of like what we're going to do going into it. You know, sometimes they'll want specific advice for their character. Sometimes they'll want some mentality stuff. Could be anything. Um, so I kind of go into it with like that rough idea and then we just go from there. And a lot of the time, like, it, I, I kind of give give them probably different advice than they expected just based off the games we play like sometimes they'll ask for character specific stuff and i'll be like because like they think that's just what they need to improve and i'll be like honestly i think you like understand your character really well so far like but there's this like basic aspect of smash that maybe would really help you you know obviously that would help you with your character specific stuff if you looked into that so it's like all right like, like let's back up here like it's not always about you know just like mastering my character and like and that's it so honestly yeah a lot of the I think time that's I really... find myself like just going to the core of like you know what they're asking or like it, it usually a lot of it is just general smash stuff and then like mm -hmm. and then i answer the specific questions like while we're playing yeah and i think that's really important to kind of differentiate the two too because i think a lot of people play the characters because they like them not yeah. because like even if you pick a top tier to pick a top tier to win, you end up liking the character a lot and you end up knowing a lot about them because yeah. that's like a natural thing I think everyone feels. Like it feels good to get better at your character. So I think it's good to kind of take a step back and look at things at a high level and say, you're actually great at your character, kind of what yeah. you're saying, but here's things that you can work on. And I think something that's big kind of in that respect too is talking to you about it, Tweak especially, looking at how people view i think friendlies is such a big thing especially because they get to play against you when you give them a lesson i think in those lessons i think there's always i think 90 percent of the time you should be playing to learn like friendlies uh sessions uh all even in tournaments sometimes you're playing to learn like how does this person play what are the habits i can look for and then there's also times where it's like okay i'm as prepared as i possibly can be Let's put it all to the test. You know, yeah. obviously that's like your top level tournament play. People around the same level as you who could potentially cause an upset on you that is a threat or you're a threat to uh, in the bracket. So I think so many people focus and tunnel on 
um, so many things in playing. And I think like the number one disaster that I see is that people take friendlies to heart and they, they try to win friendlies like they're a game five in tournament. It's like, yeah. dude, play to learn. Like, what can you do in this matchup that you can do better? And, and it comes down to the asking questions things too. You're playing friendlies, man. Have a conversation and talk. That's what I love about Smash. Well, before the pandemic and all that, it had to be in person. You had to sit down and you had to talk and interact with the other person. It, it's it's like weird and kind of unheard of in Smash to just look at each other, sit down and play and not say anything. Like you're, you're usually socializing and like interacting. Yeah. So that's how I learned a lot of my stuff is I'd play, I'd be like, what the hell am I supposed to do about this Nair? Like this Pikachu Nair, I just don't know what to do. I SDI it or, or what's the deal? Am I just screwed if I get hit by it? Yeah. And then you learn and you talk to the other player and they might even say, I'm not sure. And then and you kind of go from there. So yeah, I think big learning experience, man. It, along with like you know playing to like you know life or death like life or death situation and friendly is a lot of people also view like take the friendly super serious and then they also take the the advice uh in the same way as in like you know right wrong how much should i do this how little should i do that and like looking things like that black and white once again is like super risky because i always tried to like you know layered my advice to like kind of like avoid that type of mindset because it's like if we're going to talk about some character specific stuff or like a very specific interaction i don't want someone to get in the mindset of like this is how i win this is what will work so that's why i often find myself backtracking with whatever question they ask and getting to the basics first because it's like you know i i can't give you some sort of character specific combo or like specific interaction that's going to just universally make sense and get you the victory every time like we need to ask the question as to why this is happening. We need to get down to the basics. You know, we need to separate all the variables. Like there's always like a slight difference in every single situation. So it's just really important to make sure like, you know, you're not coming to this like coach or like top player to ask questions to like, you know, like figure out the secret to like a matchup and like how to win every time. It's more so, you know, you know, like an ego check or a new perspective or, you know, you know, learning a new vague concept um, and, and working with it. And I think like I always make sure like even before like before they ask it, it's like, let's make sure they don't like let's try to like, you know, before they even like get to that mindset, like let's prevent that because that's like mm -hmm. something I would definitely be worried about. Like, you know, I end a session like I like like it would suck to imagine the players like yep i it's i figured it out i'm hopping on elite smash right now I'm it's gonna, over I, i'm gonna do this option in this position every time and they are screwed yep. like i would hate for that to like that's the the worst case scenario right so because even if it's a good option top players will see and even if it works a stock or two top players will recognize it and yeah. they'll wait they'll hold that they'll hold it in their back pocket until yeah. it really matters and crush you for it Charles. and if you're like kind of at that level you can realize it and be like oh shit they had me exactly <laughs> i wasn't even close to winning that game they just let me they knew they could beat me if they didn't show me that knowledge early on yeah. which is insane that's like that's like the true top level player shit to me like yeah. just actually holding on to knowledge and being like Next time he's in the air there, I know he's going to air dodge, so I'm just going to wait and kill him at 30. And that's it. That's yeah. it. It's over. It's one Crazy. of like, the funniest things Charles occasionally said. He said it a few times on this podcast. It's like, it's always such a weird experience to like get bodied for being good at the game, right? It's something Charles yeah. always says. Yeah. He's Top like, players are very good at that. Yeah. Top players are very good at that. And even like, that's a whole other aspect of the game, right? I don't want to dive too much into it, but like when... When someone like Tweak, who plays at the highest level, right, 
when he's playing pools, he need he he needs to feel out his opponent in a sense of like, okay, how scared is this person of me? Like, is is this guy putting me on a pedestal in a sense of like my gameplay? Like, how scared is he getting in specific situations? How good is his reaction? Because there's there is actually like some scenarios where it's like, oh, like Tweak will do this against a top player because he gives them a visual cue. Like he he like. He gives them a visual cue, like a little silver plate, like, oh, here, look at this visual cue. And then it's like, actually, bang, like, I'm I'm shitting on you for reacting to that visual cue I gave you, right? He can't do that to a low-level player. Like, he can test out their reaction. They're not like, even okay. looking for it. Right, like, they, they can barely do whatever they're doing, right? Like, his round one pools match or whatnot, right? So it's like, even gauging that out, and even... A lot of the times when I'm coaching too, it's 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 really easy when it's a character I know a lot about um, that I've coached other players about uh, or characters I played. Right, that's the easy part. I think it's really fun to coach a player that has a character I don't know too much about, and it's like because that's when you start. Like I, I feel like a really strong coach, you you don't know everything about every character, but you know a lot about the smash concepts yeah when you when you really understand smash on a conceptual level that's when you can start applying it to all these different things you still have a lot to learn obviously but like if i'm you know coaching a greninja i obviously i know of like all the twitter stuff greninja has and i know like his general weaknesses right but it's really fun when a greninja player like i'm coaching a greninja player and they're like okay like one example i had a greninja player that um was had matches against DM and he was like, I really want to like break down the Pikachu Greninja matchup and da da da. And I was like, Oh, well, I don't know shit. I like, I was real with him. I was like, I don't know shit about Greninja yeah. Pikachu. I'm gonna be real with you, but let's learn it together and let's like really break down your tools, right? Like, I understand that Greninja has weak out of shield, right? So we want to abuse, but they're both short. Greninja's usually the shorter one, right? And like kind of going through all that conceptually and trying to like figure it out with the player. Cause like at that point, if he's, you know, playing DM in bracket, like obviously this guy's like a pretty good player, right? Like if he's getting to that point. So it's like, it's really cool to see that and really break all those things down and figure it out with the player I'm coaching. And I, I think that's mainly because like, and, and even, so like at that point, I know I can explain a bunch of high level concepts to him and he understands it. Right. But when I'm watching other players and I see what level they're at, I might have to explain more of the lower level concept, like risk reward and stuff like that. Right. Where it's like more of the baseline stuff, but I need them to understand the concept, not like because like like Gavin said, it's not like, OK, so in this particular situation, you always do this and you always win. That is not how Smash works. Like there are some situations, like very niche situations where it's like. Oh, if you're Palutena and they're on the ledge and you are right at the edge of the stage and you like do a short hop there and you drift backwards, 99 times out of 100, like nothing bad is going to happen to you, right? But like you could always get more out of the situation, right? That's like a very safe option to do, very low risk, low reward option, right? Um, so just breaking down the base concepts is always fun, in my opinion. Um, just even even risk reward right and this is a concept that i thought i like fully understand and even um because like one of the most common things when i'm coaching like a lower level player is they'll do smash attacks in neutral and like just base level risk reward. it's like you do a smash attack it's very laggy what are you getting out of it if you're doing it just for damage that's bad right and now but see now i'm i'm painting this this uh concept very black and white Right. I just yeah. I just did it. And I and we've always said not to do this. And a reason yeah. why I say that, I I would always say that I, I was by the books. I'd be like, yep, this is yeah. bad. Like, you do not do this. And 
Um, I'm, I'm going to bring this person up a lot because he's taught me a lot about the game and perspective. But Light is a player that oh. does smash attacks at low percent. He will down throw. He will down throw with Fox, and he did this in Smash Four, and he does it in Ultimate. He'll down throw with Fox, and he'll get. He is so confident in the next situation after he will up smash. Now he's so. What I said before, I said that was bad, right? And th that's why I always say it's like it. It's not always black and white. I will say most of the time that's bad, right? But there are situations where top players will do it. And so like Light, for example, he'll do it with Fox because one, he's abusing the intangibility he gets from his legs on Fox's up smash, right? So another attack won't have intangibility. And another, and I've talked with Light about this a lot. He, so he uses it for the intangibility. He does it because it does more damage. And then three, he he just he wants to make the other player like feel shitty. He wants to like I'm better. Like <laughs> I just outplayed you. I just did a huge risky play that I could have like taken a lot of damage for. But I I'm so confident. And then I like and that's when you're getting to the mental aspect of the game too, right? So it's just yeah. there's there's so many factors, and that's why even whenever you're coaching, for the most part, you never want to paint things as black and white you always want to like concept like really get the um other player to really understand like the concept of it and you know really kind of go from there because if you tell this player like you did this smash check in neutral it didn't work look what happened like that's that risk reward was like really not in your favor there uh you know they might never do it again but the other thing is they might never know why it's truly that bad of a thing. They they might understand it vaguely and be like, okay. But then like they might they kind of just cut off a whole section of Smash and they might never have that unique perspective ever again. So you really gotta like, you know, like I said, bring it to the basics and just like kind of, you know, individualize it to that specific situation instead of saying like as a like Smash as a core, right? Let's say they did an up smash there, didn't work, they took a bunch of percent. Like maybe you can talk about like why the risk reward was very scary in that specific matchup, you know, the spacing between the two characters, uh, you know, the stock count, like instead of just saying like, don't do that. And uh, so I think it's definitely very interesting you brought that up. And something you said about the, you know, you, you actually really enjoy coaching characters that you're not familiar with. I was super worried about that with Metify. It's like, <laughs> I do play most characters in the game. So it's like, most likely they play a character that I'll be able to help them out with, but there's definitely going to be like lessons I do where I don't play that character. And, and I was worried about that, but then it's like, you know what, you know, look what I've done with a lot of these lessons. Like I kind of bring it down to the basics and, you know, there's no way I can't help in some way, especially if I'm just going to bring it down to just smash general stuff. Um, and then obviously, you know, I'm open-minded. Like, I know I probably know enough about the character to where if they're asking me specific situations, you know, like like Hazmat said, or in, and like you said, like we can kind of like learn it together. Like, it doesn't matter mm -hmm. that like I don't know like the specific frame data or whether you know it, blah blah blah. But like, I have enough of an understanding where like, you know, we can figure this out together for sure. Yeah, and I think you said it well earlier, Tweak, where you were talking about how people in terms of they want to get better at kind of the basics or adding layers to their gameplay adding more perspective and things to look out for i think that's that's a brilliant way to do it i think obviously like it just makes sense too. like you build up the foundation first and then you can get into the more complex uh concepts in smash and, and fighting games in general from there on out but i think a big part of that and we touched upon this a little bit already but 
people have blind spots in their gameplay. Everybody does. Everybody does. Top players just have less of them. You know what I mean? Like, or they're less obvious or not as easy to find. But everyone has There's blind like spots in their gameplay. To their blind spots and whatnot. Yeah. True. Yeah. It might not be as obvious as they always jump from the ledge or whatever. They might have a cycle of ledge habits that they have anyway that are just harder to pick up on, but there's yes. like eight options that they pick from instead of two, right? <laughs> so that was a, a big thing. And I think I've said this, I don't think I've said it on the show before, but I think I've said it to when when we were talking pre-show prep, but going from Smash 4, Bayonetta to Ryu, or to, to Ken and Richter, I went from having like literally maybe the best disadvantage state in all of Smash history with Bayonetta, who could literally, if you if you swing incorrectly at her, she could just kill you for <laughs> because Witch Time existed for a while in, yeah. in Smash Four, um, and she had bats and she had a lot and and Witch Twist was really good. Like her disadvantage was insane. So I went from that to Smash Ultimate. And I was playing Ken and Richter, who have not great disadvantage states, especially Richter. Like just not good. Options, like just yeah, yeah, it's awful. It, so. I remember very early on in Ultimate, I was like, all right, I'm committed to these two characters. And I think I think it was Mars or Lade, like one of those guys I was playing with. And they just kept hitting me. I was like, dude, what the hell am I supposed to do about this? You keep hitting me. There's nothing I can do. And they just looked at me. They're like, dude, you're in disadvantage. Like, what do you what do you expect? Like, you can't just kill them. Like, oh, that's not how it used to work. And they're like, dude, like you're playing. This is all different. So I had this, I had developed this huge blind spot in my gameplay because of a character that I had played. I didn't realize that in disadvantage, I should have a little more respect for my opponent and have a little more uh, be a little more afraid of them uh, than I had been in the past. Because before I was like, I'm in disadvantage. Uh, I could turn this around and kill you probably. Like, that's good. Richter and Ken, a whole different game. So again, that's a blind spot I didn't even know I had. But I knew I had to ask about it because I was like, dude, I feel like I have no idea what to do when I get hit. And they're like, yeah, you probably don't. And like, that's fair enough. You probably just don't know what to do because you're not used to the set of rules these these characters have for you. I was like, yeah, all right, shit. So that's, that's something I got to work on right there. But it was a really good learning experience and like this realization that I have this blind spot in my disadvantage and what do I do about it kind of going forward? Yeah, I think the most interesting thing about that is kind of something we've been like vaguely talking about is like, how we view the game through the characters we play, through our own experiences, you know, even something as like we view the game as our region views the game, like the people we play against in bracket all the time, like that's how we view the tier list and our matchups. Like, like um, it's really hard to, um, I think the heart, like it's, you can definitely occasionally be like, like step out of the box you know look at it from like a different perspective and be like you know it doesn't have to be through my own eyes but doing that every time all the time it's really hard not to occasionally get lazy and just think you know this matchup is that because of this character i play and i think that's extremely interesting to think about um especially like the longer you play like i've been playing the game for so long there's probably stuff that's just like deep rooted bias you know what i mean like you know whether it's like you know character specific matchups or a tier list or you know what i mean and it could be from characters i play stages you know my region tournaments different you know. smash games you've played yeah, like, like it all just circles around it's crazy so you know the more you verbalize the game which is something that's like really fun uh the easier it is to consistently step outside of like that pers like your own perspective and really like you know look at the game in a different in a different light yeah, and I wish people would do that more on Twitter in a more positive way. I feel like this actually, I, I felt like this started this, uh, the way people go about like bitching on Twitter. Um, like, obviously, you know, we went over earlier, like, you can, it's natural to just complain about something, right? Like, this frustrates me, that's okay. But the way people like take it to a toxic level, I think it started around DLC for Smash 4. You know what I mean? And then it kind of just 
winning the ultimate and it still is just it's the, the same thing nobody nobody's talking about like or not nobody but more people just bitch and complain and say that people are carried instead of you know looking for the counterplay and i think that's that's the beauty of a fighting game right um just looking for that counterplay like being able like we're, we're all of us are just trying to achieve our highest level of play right and then that in turn is you know the players get to play at the highest level and then the spectators get to watch the game played at the highest level and that's what we're trying to strive to do and that happens through you know figuring out the counterplay and you know and all that jazz so i i really hope that you know in the future we can go more towards that direction um instead of just com- like complaining and name calling people on a social media site i don't know just (laughs) jesus yeah i I think something that's easier too is like actually like talking about it like we are too like you know talking about the game is so hype i it's like (laughs) my probably my favorite thing to do at a tournament like i still like playing friendlies and all that stuff but even like for for me talking about the game is even more fun or just as fun as playing the game so Um, I think something that's cool, like, something I do with you, like, obviously before COVID is, like, obviously I'm playing the game the whole weekend, but I'm also talking about the game just as much as I'm playing the game, and it really helps me get into, like, the purest competitive mindset I can get in, right? Um, Because if I'm, like, in between sets at a tournament, like, I sit down, talk to, you know, whether it's you or, like, friends or something, you know... It's just healthy discussion, and it and it really like keeps you open minded, and it keeps you in that you know competitive mindset like going forward throughout the rest of the tournament. And it just you know, I don't know, it feels healthy, and it's like something I don't even consider. Um, but since you're at a Smash tournament, you're gonna talk about Smash naturally, so it just really helps me, you know. And maybe I'll get like some sort of new idea like right before a tournament set, and it, and it helps me or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of crazy to think about how many tournament results have been influenced by little things that happened before it, you know, yeah. uh, including how people talk about or think about the game. Like, I don't know, just like if the three of us were in a room talking about it and I was like, dude, watch out, you know, think about this, you know, concept in Smash and then you really apply it and yeah. it doesn't work for whatever reason. And it's like, oh shit, well, that, that whole bracket just got screwed up or whatever. But <laughs> it's kind of crazy to think about how preparedness and looking for certain things and having that recognition and then being able to apply it all on the fly are kind of the end results of, of how a bracket turns out. So it's just crazy. And like, you, I, I love the regional differences too, because you know, take a top, a, a common top tier, like Wolf or something like say all the wolves from new England find a lot of success down smashing at the ledge or whatever. So I'm always on the look for that. So my eye is like trained to look at the ledge and look for the down smash or whatever. But then I go out of region and I play, I don't know, in Texas or whatever. And their wolves love to go off stage at back air. I just get caught off guard six <laughs> times off stage. That's it. It's over. Like I yeah. just didn't think about that. Suddenly I lose and, and that's the end of the game. So it's like the more, but now I have that knowledge. So the more well-rounded I am like, Oh shit, I forgot wolf could go off stage. My, our wolves don't do that because I avoid it so much or whatever, but they're doing it now. So then that kind of rolls up into this fundamental knowledge of when I'm fighting against Wolf and I'm trying to recover, I got to look out for down smash, learn that from, you know, kind of my region and their habits. And I also learned it from traveling and going other places and experiencing all that other stuff. So yeah, it's cool. I think that goes hand in hand with another, I I feel I repeat myself a lot throughout my lessons. Um, Just because like a lot of things are just deep rooted into like really basic ideas in smash, like a lot of habits. Um, like you talked about like that wolf edge guard scenario and it really reminded me of it. A lot of people when they're especially in, in disadvantage, they kind of have a rough idea of what could happen. 
instead of like playing reactionary and really judging the spacing of the two characters they just commit to a, a an option disadvantage kind of just like gamble to get out of it and that's why you see a lot of like you know double jumping immediately or air dodging immediately um i think a lot of people don't truly use their resources wisely and kind of judge like the spacings of they kind of just guess as fast as possible um Holy shit, someone just give the 10 subs. Thank you so much. Yo, nice. let's go. Let's go. I try not to interrupt the podcast, but that is way too hard to... Thank you so much for the 10 <laughs> I mean, it, it, it only takes up half the chat, right? How do you ignore that? <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, thank you Very to nice. everyone for all the support as well. But yeah, that's just something I really try to, to voice to people. It's like, um, you know, disadvantage doesn't have to be just pure guessing in a lot of these scenarios, especially if your opponent isn't even that close to you yet. You really have to judge the risk reward there. You know, if I'm if I'm in advantage state and someone's like point blank right next to me, it's like okay, this is this is the guessing. This is where you have to start guessing really. Um, but if it's like that mid to long range where like I like threw you forward and I'm running at you, you know, there, right now you could do nothing for like a second or two and like there's no consequence for that because I'm not next to you yet. But if you give me that preemptive double jump before I'm even next to you, now it can line up perfect with you and hit you, right? Um, mm -hmm. So that's something I always end up talking to people a lot. It feels like they kind of have a rough idea of what could happen, and they just go straight into that gamble rather than, you know, mixing in their reactions too and, like, saving resources. Because I don't think a lot of people ever consider, you know, taking certain hits um, because it's just safer and, like, it um, will guarantee safety later on um they're just like pure like don't hit me mode and a lot of the time that ends up getting them killed earlier so so just an interesting True. concept definitely and i think one that you touched upon now you got me thinking about disadvantage state even more but it's like <laughs> ah, shit now i lost it because i also like that that next topic you brought up shit chat i'm blowing it i can't remember what Same we were here. saying i don't uh, know what it is it but, but there's so much to talk about, dude. I think yeah. that's that's like a huge part of it. Um, I guess we can go off of that last point. So, yeah, avoid. Or, oh, okay. I remember. I think some of the coldest shit in Smash is when you're in disadvantage or a player's in disadvantage, and the other player's approaching them, and they swing, and the other player does nothing because they're just yeah. so confident in their ability to know that forward air is not going to hit me, that down air is not going to hit me, that back air is not going to hit yeah. me. I'm sitting here saving all my resources and i'm showing you i know what's up like what i'm just sitting here I'm, yeah. I'm not pressing a button i'm not doing anything i think to me when people do that shows a real mastery and real control of the game and real understanding of the matchup and, and what they're where they're safe which is so important which is so so important so you don't do something stupid like up b when you don't need to and, and now you're in free fall and you might die at 30 or, or whatever or you air dodge for no reason or, or you, you nair or try to defend yourself in a situation where they want you to do that exactly because they're actually baiting you. They know yeah. they can't hit you either, and then they swing, you do something stupid, and then they hit you with the real follow-up. And it's just, yeah. I love when people don't hit buttons. I think yeah. it's so cool. I think when they just space and just know. Um, you saw a lot uh, a lot in Smash 4. You're seeing it, as Ultimate develops, you're seeing it more and more in Ultimate. There's just so much to, the game is still pretty new in terms of how many matchups and how many things there are to learn. So you're seeing it more, though, for sure, where people just don't hit buttons when they don't when they feel scared, which is great. I find myself... Staggered. What'd you say? The do nothing stagger. Oh, when yeah. like that that slight so stagger, good. someone does nothing, and then they hit something. It's hype. I find myself mm -hmm. doing that often. It's like you know, just saving all my resources just in case. And it's like I know, like you know, I can just slowly start drift. Like let's say I'm off stage, I'll just slowly drift to the edge, and like I didn't even use any resources yet. Mm -hmm. Um, 
it's always funny because when the situations where you misjudge it and you actually get blown up for it, it's hilarious because it it looks like you dropped the controller, right? It's yeah, like, just you know, you, you're either a genius I, or you're just. the one i think i see a lot is when people are kind of drifting to the ledge and they think they're going to grab the ledge so they don't do anything and then they just then they just get crushed like they're just they get spiked or they get down smashed or whatever and they're dead at like five (laughs) why don't you do anything like he just he just tumbled it's like well he thought he was going to grab the ledge is usually i think what it is like that's the most common one i think i see but yeah it's it's really good stuff, man. Spacing is just spacing, right? Not clutch. That's you know the other what I'm thing saying? too. Like sometimes you gotta test that person's confidence. Like you said, like they they think they have a true confidence and mastery of this specific situation. And sometimes you gotta show them like maybe you didn't. Like I'll throw yeah. out this extremely preemptive move because you think you're at a spacing where you won't get hit, but turns out you're not. Um that's yeah <laughs> it's i get, I get so maddest weird. at myself when, when that happens when i do when i just sit there i'm like i just did nothing i just let that happen like yeah. why did i do that i should have done something like i thought i was safe but i wasn't it yeah. just feels bad like i can yeah, autopilot yeah you can. i can confidently say like if i play with someone like there's nothing they can do that's going to surprise me whether i win or lose or no matter what happens like uh, i can confidently say like nothing's going to surprise me but those few situations that do is, are so hilarious because it's usually something like that where I wasn't doing anything because I'm just so confident that like, you know, nothing's going to happen that's going to c- catch me off guard. So when it does, it's like, honestly, it's like a pleasant surprise at that point because it's just hilarious. <laughs> wow. Now that's a healthy, that's a healthy competitive mindset right there. Like, oh, wow. That's neat. I, I learned something, you know, yeah. instead of like, yeah, eh, fuck that. That's broken, you know, <laughs> get into the whole thing. And then you kind of tumble down you know, the, whole, like the, the whole rabbit hole. Again. There's like the quick, like, you know, like moment of embarrassment, right? Because it's like, you know, you're supposed to yeah. be this like top player that like knows everything, but you just like drifted into a smash attack or something. But it's like, true. It's, it's, it's hilarious. <laughs> I am a top player that is supposed to know everything. That is true. I, I appreciate <laughs> you pointing that out to everybody in the chat. Yeah, That's exactly. great. Uh, <laughs> I think too, um, an interesting thing about this game is there's so many different characters. And I think a lot of people play more than one character. Like everyone actually on the podcast today plays more. And, and Marcus too, he plays more than one character. I'm pretty sure. Unless he's just committed to just Min Min at this point. He's been but. playing uh, Pirate Mithra too nice yep so everyone i think most people get enjoyment out of at least more than one character in this game and are comfortable playing more than one character in this game and i think it's really important to know how to navigate that situation too and i think instead of breaking it down at a top level of like you should know which one you want to go based on your opponent's play style and character like yeah you should be prepared and all that stuff but i think ultimately at the end of the day and this is more of what smash boils down to is that you need to be comfortable in in the choices that you make if i go ken against someone because i thought i saw someone in their gameplay and i get three stock for it i'm like well i guess i was wrong like i just said that you can't after the first stock i can't sit there and be like i should have gone richter like this was a mistake like i should have switched you can't these mental like hurdles that you can build up in yourself like it can even happen not even with characters like i shouldn't have air dodged i'm so stupid like and then now you're thinking about that mistake and it's in the back of your head and it's weighing you down and it affects everything from there on out and that's how players who play on uh who prey on the fact like if you have a weak mental like that and mars does this for sure i know uh, a lot of top players can do this where they tilt you and they see that it's getting to you so they're just going to keep doing it and they're just going to keep punishing you over and over and make it more difficult because they know you're going to keep making you know that that hard-headed choice because you're you're stuck in that place so it's something i do so much to the point where sometimes i don't want to talk about because i feel like i'm cheating uh like i I know (laughs) i know charles knows all about my play style but i will like it kind of like we talked about this a bit with my mindset like you know at you know at certain points especially when i was younger like i was just so aware of my own you know problems with my mindset to the point where like i just abuse other people's mindsets to like a ridiculous degree like um i just kind of have like this like you know 
mental list of like you know how my opponent's doing and there's just a certain point where like i just know it's it's over and i can kind of do whatever i want but like mm-hmm. it's i just like kind of like you know you're kind of poking them with like the needle like throughout the the whole set and it's like oh you know i finally broke you here and i can confidently say that i've done that to like every player i've ever played at some point um yeah. so it's just you know i have a lot of experience with that stuff so it's definitely really interesting to talk about yeah yeah just playing playing to your strength one thing i want to touch up again on is uh the what was it um people buffering options uh in like disadvantage and even that is probably one of the most common things i've like dealt with when coaching yeah and i'll even like when i'm watching the vod with them even if they're playing on wi-fi i'll i'll like slow it down really slow i'll be like play pause play pause play pause okay you got hit here play pause play pause this, your opponent literally did not move yeah. and you are swinging that nair you like you chose <laughs> to nair or you chose to air dodge like whatever option you buffered you chose to do that before like while you were in hit stun you had no faith in your reaction right that's and, like one of the number one things i'm always talking about too is like really yes. showing them like you know once again like you know if you played a little bit more reaction here and really watch the spacing between the two characters you'll notice like um you're basically setting them up for a perfect approach. Like if I like, let's say I Sephiroth side B someone and they buffer a spot dodge out of it as I dash forward at them. It's like, now I'm going to be able to, you, you basically gave me a perfect cue to punish the spot dodge just because you buffered it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I was already going to punish it before you even decided to do it. You know, you could have done nothing after getting hit by the orb and I wouldn't have done anything to you because you didn't give me what I was preemptively looking for. Like that's how, you know, deep-rooted some of these habits are sometimes. Oh, yeah. yeah. And even just telling the player how to fix that, right? Because I feel like most players, they do that because they tried to react before yeah. and they failed at they it. Understand right? They understand they're doing something that is dangerous. You know, Right, and they're trying to cover it up by yes. doing something else alternatively. Like, yeah. do not take the shortcut. If you suck at reacting, don't take the shortcut. Don't just buffer an option because you can't react to it because you're playing Wi-Fi or whatever. I don't care what you're playing try to do it and i think this is why tweak gets so like he gets so much out of wi-fi because he plays the same way he plays as he like he plays the way he plays on wi-fi as he would offline even if it makes him lose the game he doesn't care because at the end of the day if you can react on wi-fi you can react offline all right so it's like even if you suck at it and and i'll tell everyone i coach this too like i don't care if you get three stocks because you're trying to react in disadvantage do it anyway because you got to go through those growing pains you gotta you have to like attempt to do it and even if you feel like your reaction is bad we've talked about reaction so much times on the show but even if you feel like it's bad it's like you can get better at it in any like aspect of smash you just have to keep like repeating the process and you'll get better at it and i think that's another thing that like really separates like the good from the great coaches like you any any person that's played smash can look at a situation and be like oh uh he grabbed you and killed you there so you died so don't shield next time spot dodge uh no shit like i think <laughs> every player that plays knows that spot dodge beats grab that's not why i'm asking you to coach me yeah a real a good coach will be like why are you positioned here why why are you why here shielding shield? right there like mm-hmm. right it's, it's like there's so much things that happened before that that ended up are you in the corner can you not dash back like were you being too like hasty and neutral like center stage did you give up center stage too early 
right? And then now he's bought you in the corner. You can't dash back anymore. So then you shielded because that was your last resort. Like, okay, now let's talk about how you should fight for center stage, right? There, there's so many situations before that that you can tackle and, you know, really figure out what, like, they can improve on. And even what they can improve on, also telling them how to improve on it. There's so much people, even when I'm talking to them about ledge trapping, where it's just like, oh, hey, you can't, you can you grab normal get up on reaction while you're shielding by normal get up and they'll be like no and i'm like oh okay well go into training mode uh turn the computer onto level three throw them off and every time they get up from the stage or every time they grab ledge and do a um, do an option it will always be normal get up level threes always do normal get up so you do that in training mode and you can actually practice now now you you might not know if you're getting the exact two frame timing because they don't buffer shield like if you had the mod pack you could do that obviously but that's like a very easy and accessible way to generally practice normal getup right um obviously a player like gavin won't have to do that because he already knows how to do that but you know so it's like even like when you're trying to learn how to be a better coach not only do you need to be able to dissect what the player's doing wrong you need to give them steps to improve on what they're doing wrong and like that that like that path of improvement needs to be very like black and white to them and very easy to understand. And that like, in my opinion, that's what separates like the good from the great. Yeah. So it's not only like, here's what the problem is. Here's how you deal with it. And here's how you achieve that goal. Like, it's kind of like a three-step thing, like identify the problem, identify how you're going to fix it. And then what's the path of success basically from there? Like, how, how are we going to get there? You know, like what's the roadmap and all that. Um, I think too, if a player is, hitting a button in a situation where they aren't in any danger, they're running off a of pure instinct, which to me means they don't have enough knowledge in that matchup or against that player or that play style or whatever. And so they're running off pure instinct, which means they're probably scared or something like that, which means they don't have enough fundamental knowledge in what they're trying to do to succeed. Because if you're just hitting buttons because you're scared, you got to study more. Like you got it. You just need to know more about your opponent uh, that you're fighting. Because if you're just hitting buttons for the sake of it, because you're, because you're afraid because you don't know what to expect, the bottom line issue there is that you don't know what to expect. If you knew what to expect, you probably wouldn't be hitting, you know, the buttons that you're you're so uh, you're using to try to avoid something that you don't need to. So it's just oh, there's so much that goes into it, man. There's that, and like you guys said, it love talking about the game and all the deeper levels and so it's just I, it can go on forever. Honestly, it's so fun. A lot of people like misunderstand some of their habits. They think you know they, you know, are not good at the game or something like negative like that. I think a lot of people have these habits because of some sort of you know, whether it's a basic understanding or not, a lot of people have these habits because they understand, like, let's say they whiff a button and they buffer an option afterwards, right? They yep, understand that common. what they did is potentially punishable, right? So they have that understanding. Like, this is this is a good thing, right? Like, they have the knowledge of the game there. Um, and that's why they do that. And, you know, and sometimes you got to, like, you know, word it like that to really give them that confidence boost because they they might just think, you know, this is a stupid habit I have. Like, why do I have it? And it's like, okay, well, let's work with this habit and let's like, you know, let's like truly understand if you had to make this guess or not, right? Like, was this truly punishable here? Was your opponent even trying to punish it? You know, like, you know, let's take these habits and like, let's work with your reactions with them, you know, and let's like really question why you're doing it. Because a lot of people yeah. like... They just think they have a, a dumb, stupid habit or whatever, and it's like, okay, like let's let's word it differently at least, because everyone does that. I've, you know, there's a bunch of th times where I definitely have like pressed a button, you know, realized I took a, a risk that was like miscalculated and tried to cover myself, 
And you know, and spot that, dodge and, because spot dodge is really strong. Yeah, and that's what yep. got punished. So it's like, wow, I could have pressed, I could have dropped my controller for a millisecond and been fine, right? So yep. it's really like something I come down to is really, you know, understanding the the matchup you're in, the character you're fighting against. You know, really judging the spacing you're at because a lot of the time, if you're not at that point blank range, um, you don't have to really force a specific option out of yourself. Whether it's neutral or disadvantage, mm-hmm. and I've even had players like I'm, I'm coaching them, and they're making excuses, like telling me I'm wrong. Like, and this is kind of going back to being coachable and stuff. Um, and it, I think it's okay to call out someone if you feel like they're wrong, especially if it's very something like black and white. Like, oh, that wouldn't have killed. Like, if I'm like, oh, well, why didn't you just go for this? It would have probably killed. And they're like, oh, okay, that that wouldn't have killed. I'll be like, oh, okay, well, like you probably know your character more than me, right? That like stuff like that's fine. But I've I've also had people that like kind of just like make excuses and stuff like that, and it's kind of weird because I'm like, dang, like you're paying me and I'm trying to help you get better, and you're just like making excuses, like (laughs) fighting you. Yeah, like to me that's really weird. But like uh, some people do that. That's definitely something you shouldn't do. It's you're kind of just wasting your time and money, right? and even just kind of, uh, you know, has touched up on, like, there's so much to know about this game, right? So even understanding how to play, I, I think not a lot of people understand this, um, knowing how to play when you don't know a matchup. Um, that's going to happen to you a lot in Ultimate. There's a lot of matchups. <laughs> and a lot of characters are, like, a lot, like, in Smash 4, low-tier characters, it was pretty easy to understand the matchup because they had, like, three or four good moves and all the other moves were dog shit like that's how it worked that just just generally how it works like in older smash games like low tier characters they had some top tier options but it was a very handful like very small amount of it so it was very easy to counterplay like those three or four good options right now in this game things are a lot more well-rounded in a sense of like you know ganon fair is huge and powerful but like also doesn't have that much lag like every other move like there's essentially it's it's a lot more even playing field in terms of like the other smash games obviously there's still like the fine top tiers and all that jazz but um so there's even when you're fighting those lower tier characters nowadays it's there's you got to kind of understand how the character really works and i feel like there's a lot of players even when i'm coaching them they'll be like oh well i I didn't know this matchup and like i tried to punish this but i didn't know if i could punish it or not but and then i'm like well why are you going for that punish anyway If, if you know that you don't know if like you have a specific opening your general like concept of that situation should be like oh let me just like kind of come in with a pump fake and like see what they do right like you should be gathering information and even if you dash in and then you notice the shield comes up really late and they were lagging then in your head you can be like oh so i could have dash attacked that okay cool but you shouldn't your first reaction shouldn't be like i'm gonna try to punish that with a dash attack that leaves me wide open if i don't get that dash attack like that's bad right like that like when you when you lay those two concepts on the table that's just like bad but you don't know that until you really like break break that down and see like so how do i really play and even when you watch a top player play a matchup they don't know they're playing extremely safe and there's Mm -hmm. even some situations where they could have gotten a punish but they choose not to punish and it resets but they're okay with that because they were unsure yeah right they're just taking the information i feel like especially against lower mid-tier characters a lot of players who are smart low to tier character players uh use and abuse the lack oh, yeah. of mass matchup knowledge they test you and they they say oh they think this is safe and they let you think it's safe until until the last second it's like i didn't know you could forward smash me after that that's insane like who, who knew that me brawler or whoever could do that yeah and they prey on that that, that you don't have that matchup knowledge because if you did you wouldn't be having such a hard time with the matchup so yeah yeah 
Good question from the chat. Best way to be coachable. I feel like the excuses are natural reaction, even Definitely. if it's the wrong reaction. Definitely. That's a great question. Um, to me, it's all about your outlook. I think your coach is there to help you. I think you're there to get help by them. I think it shouldn't be an excuse. I think it should be something more constructive than that. I don't think it should be, well, you know, this, this, or that. I think it should be, you know, the coach tells you to do X, Y, or Z. And if you don't necessarily agree with it, you can ask guided questions like, why should I do that? Or wouldn't this be a better answer? I think there's always a constructive. It's it's not about necessarily disagreeing with it outright. It's about how you say it and, and about keeping it in a positive and, and good uh, mental state instead of being like, nope, I can't. That's it. Like that kind of shuts a door and kind of we're talking about opening up new perspectives and new layers to your gameplay. And to me, that shuts it down. Like even if you won't entertain the idea, like you should have up smashed here. No. And the conversation, right? You should have up smashed here. Well, why? I feel like that's not a great option for yeah. X, Y, and Z reasons. And then you have a conversation and you figure it out. Maybe you can work that up smash into your rotation. Maybe you can't, but still it's worth entertaining and thinking about. It's like another one of those uh, situations where like you guys are kind of learning together. Even if you genuinely disagree with this advice they're giving, you know, that conversation could provide even more perspective to the even that very specific situation maybe it's like okay instead of up smash you also have these two options if you're unsure and you want to like vaguely go for a punish like blah 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 um and i think to go back on what charles is saying about like you know playing a matchup you're unfamiliar with um for me i kind of have a few layers of safety to my play like add a little bit more you know playing in a way to like you know you're playing very safe you're like playing really like you know you just simply don't want to get hit and you are trying to take as much information as possible out of your opponent to try to, you know, learn the matchup as you go. Right. Um, especially if you're trying to figure out, you know, player specific habits, because if you figure that out, who cares about the matchup and experience at that point, you figure out the player, which is even easier to deal with. Right. Um, so you kind of just have to have a few like general methods to like get the information out of your opponent. So it's like, you know, if you hit them with some sort of bait or like you see something that's punishable, it's like, okay, let's wait and watch. Let's see how laggy it really is. You know, what are the couple things they did after? It's just how you would play any other matchup, you know, just even less risk. You know what I mean? Cause you, you, you generally know less like factually, like, you know, less frame data or whatever it may be. So you just got to take it a little slower at first and best case scenario, you figure it out within the, the first couple stocks, right? And you just, all of a sudden, you know, the matchup now, you know, like specific things to look out for, for the player or something. But yeah, I think um, that's a very like pure way to look at, you know, matchup and experience, you know, you're, you have confidence in your own abilities, but you're also taking it really safe to, you know, figure out something you really don't understand instead of just taking those huge guesses just because like a lot of people will probably go into a matchup they don't know and be like you know i'm gonna try to force my character specific combos on them just kind of hope it works uh and kind of go from there because like you know a lot of people go into it i don't know this matchup screw it like let's let's go out with a bang let's right? see what happens yeah yeah there's definitely a bunch of ways to approach it mm-hmm it's that playing to learn thing, right? Like, especially yeah. if that's all you have, like, if you aren't prepared for a matchup, that's all you can really do. Like, well, when they fare and I do this, what happens? Okay, mental note, moving on. Yeah. And that even applies, like, playing to learn, 
you know, mostly when you're in friendlies and stuff is a great way to do it. But top players do it all the time too, and even high level players. What do you, not learning like the matchup specific stuff, but what does the other player do when I do something? And I'm going to keep that note and I'm going to save it for later. I'm going to use it right away or, or whatever. Like playing to learn is, is such an important concept. So, yeah. And, and I, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I guess like the, the hardest thing about playing a, like a matchup they don't really know is. Um, because you don't know the risk reward gets a lot harder because you don't know the spacings you don't know when you're at threat of losing a stock and whatnot and i think that's basically what i'm trying to get at with like you know you have to play at like the most max range possible like you got to play it really safe so it's going to be harder to get that crucial information but you just really got to take it slow because you also have to make sure you're not risking you know dying too early before you because then the game's over before you got the information you needed to win right so Mm -hmm. It, that's probably the hardest part about it is like you know having a, a educated guess on like what spacing to play at when your stock is at risk and whatnot um i think that's definitely the most interesting thing to talk about when it comes to matchup inexperience is like really gauging the the risk reward since it's just completely different but uh yeah yeah, and um, I even have two great examples of this with me and Gavin particularly, one in Smash 4 and one in Ultimate. So, you know, obviously I've known Gavin for a while, so when we both competed in Smash 4, one thing, I, I remember we are at like a SoCal tournament or whatever, and I was, I was sitting down with Gavin, and I was just bitching about me, Brawler, and Politana normal getup, right? I was like, dude. Oh, yeah. But so, so in Smash, yeah, this see, even here. This is definitely the most Gavin way to, like, look at shit. Like, I yes, know exactly yes, what right? you're going to say. It's, it's so funny because I just I just remember this moment. It's It, it was very, like, eye-opening for me. But so I'm a Fox player in Smash 4. I ledge trap the crap out of everyone, and I get carried by Fox up tilt for ledge trapping. I spam it, and I what people's ask for. But in Smash 4, Politana and the Miis had a delayed normal get up by 10 frames so they would get up on the ledge and you'd have to delay your normal get up punish by 10 frames which is very specific very very fucking hard to do um Mm -hmm. um so i i would always get reversaled i would see the normal get up and like my instinct would be like up tilt and then i would up tilt while they're intangible then they would reversal me grab me throw me off or do whatever right and i'll lose (laughs) or whatever and it would really piss me off i'm like i have no i'm like trying to delay it but like sometimes i'm off sometimes i'm too late like it's so hard to do because everyone else's normal get up is around the same frames but theirs is delayed by 10 frames i was just complaining to gavin about it yeah and then gavin was like oh really that's weird when i fight them i don't even ledge trap them i'm like what he's like yeah, those characters suck. So in, back then, those characters were Politana and Mies were like bottom tier in Smash Four. He was like, oh, yeah. "Yeah, I just let them back on the stage. What are they gonna do?" Like, and I was like, "Yeah," and and I was just like, "Wow, you're right. Holy shit! Like those characters are so trash that you just yeah. let them get back on the stage and you just beat the, beat them up on the stage. You 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 were already beating them up. That's why they're on the ledge, right? Yeah. And like that was like another moment where I'm just like my perspective was yeah. very like changed in that moment where it was just like wow I'm like trying to force this one interaction here, but this other player is taking it in a different way and he's being very successful in it, right? So that's why I I like I said it is. You know, it's it's not it's not a bad thing to complain about things on Twitter, but also just trying to find the answer and see how other players deal with it, right? Like I've always complained about Shotos, but I also ask other players like how they deal with Shotos, right? Like how do you deal with this? And like you know, like blah blah blah. And then the other example in Ultimate, obviously more recent. Um, 
uh, I'm coaching Gavin and we're talking about ledge trapping Meister's Game & Watch, right? And we're like, oh man, like it's so hard to react to it, blah, 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 because the Game & Watch is normal getup. It's not like delayed frame data wise, but the animation is very hard to react to. It's the hardest normal getup animation to react to in the game. So me and Gavin are trying to theorycraft how to ledge trap Meister's Game & Watch or just Game & Watch in general. And then Gavin was like, well, you know what, because um, I'm trying to think of all these things, and Gavin was like, you know what, instead of trying to punish the normal getup, I think I'm going to let him normal getup, but I'm more so going to try to focus on the situation after the normal getup. Like, what does he buffer after normal getup? So it's I was what like, I do okay, on yeah. Wi-Fi, too. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, it, that is, there's so many different ways to look at something, right? Because, like, on paper, it's like, okay, maybe, like, we should try, like, because I was even trying to think of, like, maybe we can, like, sit there and you can try to practice hitting game and watches normal getup even though it's like almost inhumanly possible but you know maybe we can try that like we're bouncing a bunch of ideas around and then we kind of just sat with gavin's idea of you know i'm just going to try to punish the situation after because it's too hard and i'm not going to try to like super stress myself out about it and i don't want to like try and push my gameplay to the point where i have to be that on point right so yeah those are like two great examples of like different perspectives being very good I think that what you just said, too, dude, Termi looks like a different dog, by the way. What I can't the believe heck? that that's Termi. That, dude, yeah, I know. Fresh I feel like cut I've right never seen Termi before until today. <laughs> that's like Termi's Termi. defining characteristic is like A, very sweet, and B, like super fluffy and cute, like a lot of fur. And now it's just, yeah. I, I swear you switched him out. Like, that's a new I've dog. I've never seen I don't Termi's like facial features until today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's how his eyes look. Termi. <laughs> looking good though but i think too that's another like even that concept right there might have just unlocked layers for someone in the chat like if something's too hard to punish you you punish the thing you look for the thing after like that was something that took me a long time to realize yeah. i'm like nope it, i like to call it a to b smash like they do a i do b like that's it or you do a they right. do b like that's yeah, it very good way to explain it but then it there's branches it keeps going because if i just spam safe moves all the time I would just lose to that. If someone just did the safe thing to be every single time, I would just lose to that. There's no like one right answer to things that are safe. That's why they're so good. Yeah. So you have to look for what the after is. And I think that's just such an important, you know, concept. And when I realized that, and I think too, like coaching is amazing and all that stuff, but realizing stuff on your own and then connecting with other people after mm -hmm. being like, like and just having that like mind blow experience yeah. together is like, holy shit. That's so true. Uh, I think that's such a huge concept. And you guys kind of just went over it. You're like, oh, I'll just punish it anyway. And you moved on casual. I was like, that's a huge concept. That's such yeah. an enormous concept that so many people don't grasp because Smash is so like point A to point B. And that's it. Like there's so much more going on. That's yeah. why top players be ass all the time. Yeah. It kind of just goes mm -hmm. like hand in hand with like mm -hmm. my play style and like what we talked about, like how I play. Like I kind of pick people's brains when I play. Like there's a lot of baits. Like there's a lot of like, you know, things that like people will probably never notice. Um, and like it just kind of goes hand in hand with how I view the game. So for me, that's like how I viewed it from the start. Um, and for some other people, sometimes I need that that other perspective, right? Um, for example, like even though like I have no intention of punishing like like the neutral getups we were talking about, I'll still act like I will. I'll bait it, and yep. that and yep. that gives me information because they might buffer an option after because they're like, oh shit, are they actually gonna do this? No one does this. <laughs> so it's like you know, there, there's a lot more that goes into it too. Uh, and then, you know, sometimes you got to throw it out there and be willing to, you know, threaten that you might try to punish something that you usually don't try to as well. So it's, it's just... like, a... oh, go ahead. Sorry. I, I, I was, I was going to ramble. You can actually go. <laughs> I was going to say, it's kind of like that. That happens to me sometimes where I'm like, all right, if they do this one option, I'm going to punish it super hard so that they try to never do it again. And I really hope they don't because I'm never going to be able to hit that punish again. <laughs> but if I hit the one time, they'll stop. And then I don't you get the max, you get like the max damage out of it too. So it's like. <laughs> 
there's no exactly. way they're never rolling in again <laughs> yeah exactly that's what i'm Feeling saying yourself. that's all yeah it's like i hate trying to like for charles example like trying to punish the neutral get up with weird timing it's like if i punish it one time maybe i'll scare them into never yeah. doing it again but Sometimes then you learn a lot about a player if they keep doing it it's like well i just beat they'll beat the crap out of you for doing that why do you keep doing it it's like well it's because that's a habit that they have and that registers and it's a, it's a whole different thing yeah it's just it's it's crazy it's fun like to you watch know maybe this player learn. is like truly testing you maybe like there's no way he's gonna punish it again right like i'm gonna test him mm-hmm. this time it's it's interesting yeah. And knowing your own habits is important for that too, because I know some of mine. And like, for example, oh shit, I don't want to say it because then I'll play people and they'll use it against oh. me. But that's okay because I gotta get I gotta get rid of it there as a habit. There we go. Yeah, I gotta do it. I know it's a habit that I have, and I'll do it on Wi-Fi. And I think a lot of people do this too, where I'll do what I'm comfortable with until my opponent teaches me that it's not okay to do. Like yeah. I'll, I'll jump jumping from the ledge, which I think is a really common habit anyway, is one that I have. So I'll jump from the ledge, and if you let me get away with it, I'm never gonna stop. But if yeah. once you swap me out of the air Same a couple here, times, honestly. I'll be like, all right. Time to time to start thinking at the ledge, and if I can get away with the same ledge options over and over, it's a great way to like conserve my mental energy and not have to worry about that aspect of my gameplay because I'm just going to keep getting away with it, and then I could focus on other parts. Like, okay, after I jump over them, what am I going to do? Can I hit them? Like, what, what's the option here? So, teaching and like conditioning your opponent is also obviously like, man, we could probably have another four hour podcast about that. I uh, I jump, I jump for a living. It's a jumper. <laughs> It's a great option. It's a great yeah. option, especially in this game. It's a great option. I ledge jump. I jump out of shield. I jump in neutral. <laughs> I double jump in neutral. I jump out of disadvantage. But what are you going to do about it? <laughs> like mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. is what I'm looking for uh, when I'm playing against someone, right? And it's like, um, a, w- one way I look at a lot of, like, uh, Charles knows this. I even has mine. I hate guessing. Guessing is the number one thing I'm going to avoid at all times. So if like let's say um you know I'm playing against a character that's great out of shield or is great frame data, we're both shielding next to each other. I'm not taking any I'm getting out of there. I'm never interacting. I'm just not gonna take that risk. And I think a habit I know is like I'll position myself where I'll take the small hit just to avoid the guess, right? Just so I can get a yep. reset. Um and if that gets punished enough, sometimes I'll be like, damn. I gotta start rolling and spot dodging. Fuck. As much as I hate, I gotta start guessing. As much as I hate guessing, and as much as I like, I kind of view spot dodges and rolls as like ugly, um, because I I like to think my play is like very pretty or whatever. Um, if you make me start rolling and spot dodging, I'm gonna be fucking pissed. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this is not how I like to play Smash. It's so committal, right? Like, because yeah. what you do is you're locked into that role for however long, you know, it lasts for a long time. And I think that's what Wonderbread said in the chat. It makes sense. Like, jumping from the ledge gives you the most input what happens exactly. after. I think it gives you, you have the most control of your character, and your opponent actually has to read it with their options to punish it. You know what I mean? You can't just, I guess there's a couple of things that will catch multiple options, but jump is one that you, you definitely need to, to catch. Like, you can't yeah. just get lucky with that. There's, On paper, it's the best option. It obviously. has so many, yeah, exactly. It yeah. Has so many mix ups after. Mm-hmm. yep and like, like control that's a good way to look at it yeah. and the thing about jump too is it has the most mix-ups after universally but then when you start adding character mix-ups after like character specific mix-ups after the ledge jump then there's even more sometimes like like if the character has multiple jumps and they ledge jump now like what you know what i mean if you let them get away with it right so ledge jump is definitely something that um you got to condition them or you got to let them know you're willing to cover it right um because mm-hmm. if you there's certain things in smash where if you let them get away with it it's like has said like he'll do it every time 
It's same with me. If you let me ledge jump, I will. I'm yep. sure. Especially <laughs> with Sephiroth or something, when I have one wing, it's like, I have like infinite mix ups after this. Like, Catch me in the air, dog. I'm probably going to kill you for trying to ledge trap me right now. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> yeah. The reversal of air bear is coming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice. But another, so I guess if we're uh, for coaching, there's two last things I kind of want to cover. And it's like the. Probably the two most common things I get asked while I'm coaching that has like almost nothing to do with the game. Um, it's gonna be character crisis and being nervous in tournament. Um, character crisis obviously is involved more with the game. It is definitely one of the more challenging things to coach, especially long term. Um, definitely was probably the hardest thing to coach uh, with Gavin when I started coaching <laughs> Gavin. Yeah. Um, he's just he's so like, and this is a problem that it's not usually the case with other players but he was so good with so many characters right so it's hard to and like we like we didn't want him playing five characters in tournaments. i think a nice thing a nice approach you took to it that i always felt was like i really appreciated and i felt was like really healthy was if i like because i have so like i could have one idea the next tournament and then the next tournament like my lineup's like completely different i have so many like spontaneous ideas and something i loved about charles being my coach is he would never like shut me down he would always roll with it give me even more advice and options and whatnot. That's what I thought you did very, very well. Um, that a lot of people might be like, what are you talking about? You just won last week with this character. Like you were very supportive and willing to just like roll with it. Right. I think that's yeah. what I always appreciated. Yeah. You always want to like, you don't, again, it's the whole black and white thing, right? You don't want to just be black and white about everything. There's so much evolving yeah. about the game. We realistically don't know shit about this game. It's only been two years. Like, a character we thought was dog shit, now we think is godlike, Diddy Kong, right? Like, obviously, there was buffs and nerfs, but, like, there, there's so much that we just don't know about the game, and especially with Character Crisis, it's like, you always want the player to be comfortable. That's, like, the the main thing, and whenever Tweak wanted to switch characters... The only rule I had was like, you got to cap it at three. Like, don't try not to play more than three. Like, if you really feel like you have to, but let's try to funnel all your like practice into a pool of three characters. And we're going to try to swap the pool around. And we want that pool of three characters to support each other in terms of matchups. Right. So it's like, okay. And then we, we, we generally know which players are going to go to the next tournament. So it's like, all right, this tournament, we got these these characters like okay boom you got an answer to the, these these different types of characters you got an answer to pikachu we got what is your rob matchup like and then if he ever lost the character then it was like okay well you use this character against these matchups so now which one are you going to use it for you know which like does this new character really fulfill that role blah 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 and really just breaking down conceptually but yeah character crisis is it's really hard because you know with um you know with a top level player like gavin Obviously, goal is to be number one on PGR. Very clear-cut goal, and we're we're both going to make very strict decisions. Like, you know, back then we didn't think Diddy was that good, so it's like Diddy was kind of like on the table, but kind of not, right? But through quarantine, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, and and that's that was a cool thing about just being open to Diddy, right? Like, like we were kind of looking into all these different Diddy techs, talking to Docpo and all that stuff, all the other Diddies, and really just figuring out the character, um, and trying to understand the character, right? Uh, but with other players, you know, being number one on the PGR might be the goal. Maybe being PR'd in the region might be the goal. Maybe just beating their friends might be the goal, right? There's there's very different goals. And I, I always say this, like, you can, depending on the region, but for the most part, like, you can probably get 
you can definitely get PR'd in any region or mostly any region. There's some exceptions with like any character, right? There's some super stacked regions like um, Tri-State, New England, stuff like that, that it would be pretty hard to do that depending on how low their PR goes, right? Like if it goes like top 20, maybe, right? Um, but it just depends. But for the most part, you can probably get PR with any character um, in the game. But like PGR, that's a whole other story. Do I think any character can get PGR? That's kind of rough. Um, I think a lot of characters can. And that's when you start getting into the deeper part of like viability and all these like weird opinions. And at the end of the day, you just want you, I, for anyone I'm coaching, I just want them to be comfortable enough with the character so they can learn the baseline of the game. Even for Gavin, he started in Smash 4 with Bowser Jr. and obviously was a shit character, but still did very well and then eventually switched to the top tier being Cloud. He still learned a lot about the game fundamentally with Bowser Jr., right? So it's not like all that stuff with Bowser Jr. went to waste. Um, so it, it's really hard to kind of coach someone through a character crisis, but main thing is comfortability um, and like, are their character choices aligning with their goals, right? And you, don't, you never want to make someone like forced to play the character and I'll, I'll always say this like they'll be like oh well like i really like this bottom tier and i really want to be good i think the number one priority is you they you the motivation to practice that is number one priority if if they are forcing themselves to play a character that will make them not want to play the game as much then they're they're taking one step forward two step backwards right it's like oh i'm playing a better character but i play the game less playing the game is more important than what character you play <laughs> Like, I don't care what anyone said. That That is the most important thing. You need to play the game to get better. That is, like, the baseline thing. From there, you might find another character you enjoy that's a higher tier or whatnot. And then the last thing I want to talk about was ter is tournament nerves. That's that's where you kind of get into, like, the psyche of things. Um, that's where it gets really hard to talk about. Um, you don't, like, people get nervous for different reasons, right? So, like, sometimes you have to go into a deep, deeper level of understanding and really the only way to like practice for tournament nerves is to put yourself in that situation over and over again, which is why locals are a good thing. But with an asterisk, like sometimes you'll get far in your locals, you'll get that nervous feeling. Right. But when a major comes around, that's like an, another level higher. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Dang. This like this regional is here. So, okay, boom, I can get top three in my local, get nervous there. Like, okay, I'm starting to get over my tournament nerves. Sick. Go to a regional. Oh, snap. Like, the other states, like neighboring states are at this tournament. Their top players are here. Like, oh, now that's a whole another level of like nerves that you're going to deal with, right? Oh, boom. Like now you're trying to get out of pools or you're, you're in bracket, like top 64 bracket of a major tournament, right? Like, oh, snap. Like I might be able to get into top eight, like have a breakthrough here. Like there's different levels of nerves. And realistically, the only way to get better at dealing with nerves is just putting yourself through the same situation over and over again. And some I've, I've seen some players that are really, really good that like throughout over like many years of competing, they just could never get over nerves. Um, there are some players like that. Um, it, is it possible for them to eventually do it? I, I still think it's possible, but I think some players get over it faster than others. And like the way you have to deal with it, even when I was coaching Void, he had a lot of problems with nerves. And there was like, there was like all these different things we had to do, like pregame ritual kind of stuff that like even like um, regulating how much caffeine he had or like there's so many like little tiny things that will even affect your nerves going into different situations. Right. So um, kind of figuring yourself out, experimenting with like what pregame rituals will help you putting yourself in the situation over and over again, talk to other people like 
around your skill level or even higher, like how they deal with nerves too, right? So it's like if a top player has like some kind of pregame ritual that they do that helps them with nerves, maybe you can try it out too. And then there's other top players like Larry, who's a freak of nature and just doesn't get... Don't go to him for he doesn't, he doesn't. He doesn't experience... <laughs> I've talked with Larry and Larry's just like, yeah, I just don't get nervous, which is crazy. Yep. I, I've met a handful of people like that, but it's very rare. You'll regress if you go to Larry. You'll somehow, you'll do worse. Like it's just significantly, you'll get worse at the game. I'm just kidding, by the way. I love Larry. Um, I was gonna say, I think Charles, like what you said. Hey, Boyd. What you said was uh, kind of sorry, a little bit talking about nerves. Yeah, nerves. Yeah, I, mean, I love. Nerves. I like his pants. Um, <laughs> what was I gonna say? Shit, sorry. I'm so easy. Boyd is very good at playing when he's nervous. I wanted to mention something it, about uh, about nerves. Oh, hello. Hello. What's up? <laughs> right, what's the topic? Ner- uh, tournament nerves. Playing with nerves? It. Oh man, I'm sure both of you guys know how nervous I get. Yeah, I there mean, are times you... where like I get so nervous. I'm like, guys, I think... I'm literally gonna lose. I can't do anything. I think in between sets, I can like I can just see like you're just like a little bit more fidgety than usual or something. It's yeah, just... no, it's it's terrible. And then I just go and three zero the guy like nobody's business. Yeah. And then I walk off and I'm like, <laughs> what is wrong? <laughs> I don't with know me? that happened. <laughs> <laughs> Some days are easier than others. That's something I really wanted to mention about. Yeah, for sure. And a a mindset I always like that always bothers me to see is like someone will like say like, I think my tournament nerves are finally like a lot better. Like they're finally improving. And then they have a rough tournament like next time. And they they're viewing it as just like just a simple progression. And that it's not. It's not. We we have lives. Yeah. There's ups and downs like everything. Like you got to consider that like you. It's just like improving in the game itself. Like you can't just yeah, view it as yeah. I'm better than I was yesterday. Exactly. That simple. Yeah. Oh, I think Charles said it well too, where it comes down to, I think people might not even realize how much you guys prepare before a tournament and all the small things that you guys think about and consider before you enter a bracket. Like not only are you preparing, you're looking ahead to who's going to be at the tournament, what characters you're going to play against them. All this stuff, preparedness can help with, with any nerves. Yeah. And I think honestly, some of it is just doing it. It's like, like the first time you ride a roller coaster, you don't know what to expect. You're probably nervous and scared because you've seen what it can do and all that stuff. Same thing, like playing on stream for the first time. I was so nervous, man. I was so aware of everything I was doing. Like I could feel every <laughs> cell in my body. You know what I mean? Like I could, I could feel. I felt so seen. Like, yeah. and that's so weird to say. But as you do it more, same with commentary. I'm like, what am I doing with my hands? Am I saying the right things? I, I'm mm-hmm. distracted from what I'm supposed to be doing because I'm so aware of myself because I felt like other people were watching me, which I think yeah. is a huge part of tournament nerves. Um, and just the more you do it, the more you dive into that that water. Um, the more used to you get and they kind of just naturally go away honestly or did for me that's my experience at least at this point i'd rather be on stream than anywhere else at a tournament at this point um because you've been in that situation for so like so much time so you honestly feel more comfortable on stream than off stream yeah because like you know it's always like the most optimal setup like you you always have the most space from the crowd so at this point i'm like wow like when i was younger i would be like you know a bit more nervous here but it's like honestly i'd rather play on stream every set and like you know have play on a different setup all the time and all that stuff because you know for me it's just when you're playing off stream there's just potentially more variables so at this point it's like put me on stream that setup's probably nice (laughs) (laughs) true i actually that's super true i didn't think about that yeah it's funny because to you the priority is i want the setup to be nice not wow there's forty thousand people watching me i hope i don't fuck up something which is insane because to me it's like the opposite like dude put me in a corner because if i lose i don't want anyone to fucking look at me like (laughs) Yeah, I, I want to be so far away from everyone else. I don't want it to happen. But yeah, that's just like I, what I Charles I, said. That's just because I've. It's like we yeah. said, like get on that roller coaster. Like, yeah, 
You just got to do it. Try it out. Get used to it. <laughs> yeah. I've seen a Absolutely. lot of people say, like, get offered, like, do you want to play on stream? Like, this set is going to go on stream. And they'll say no. It's like, damn, like, maybe you'll regret that in the future. Who knows? I always say yeah, because A, you get a VOD to review for sure. With, with co at a major especially, you get, you know, yeah. hopefully good commentators too. Usually you do. Um, who, who might point out something that you didn't even think about before. But at the very least, you'll have yeah. a VOD to review and check out for yourself later. And then what was the other part about it is, I don't know, like that's a part of the whole experience. That's what everyone wants to be there. Everyone wants yeah. to show. You kinda, I don't know. To me, like, I don't know if you don't want to be on stream Start because you're nervous. Man. I get it. Bro. But yeah, what the fuck, man? It's show competition. Show up. Fuck someone up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> show off that's what I'm Kirby. saying. Do something. Yeah, whatever. Be proud of it, man. Own it. It's going to be great. It's yeah. Even if you do poorly, everyone's gone on stream and shit the bed. Everybody has done it. There's not yeah. a single person You're, out you there. You won't be the first. Yeah, I've, oh, lost, absolutely. I've lost a bunch of tournaments on stream. Like, I've won a bunch of tournaments on stream, and I'm still like, you know what? I'd rather be on stream. Like, I obviously yeah. have my own reasons, but you know what I mean? Like, gotta keep going. There's there's a level of like resilience and, and persistence that needs to come from it. You, you're going to lose. You're going to get hit in stupid spots. You're going to make stupid mistakes. It's all part of the learning experience. I think is yeah. what we're saying. And it, it, you might as well have it recorded on record so you can learn from it even better. So might as well happen. So get used yeah. to it. If you get good enough, you, if your goal is to eventually be really good at smash, you're going to be at stream at some point. So yeah. those nerves are going to come and Especially you got to learn like, how to conquer them in your own way. The more this we grow as a community, like, you know, whether it, or it just technologically as human beings, like, just wait. A couple of years from now, there's yep. going to be a bunch of streams instead of just a couple for tournaments. Mm -hmm. Every setup is going to well, be on stream eventually. <laughs> every tournament. Yeah, every tournament. It, it kind of is that way, right? Because if yeah. everyone in the top 32 is streaming their bracket run, it's like, uh, well, I guess I'm on stream. I'm on best Nest stream whether or not I want to be. It doesn't yeah. matter. Like, you can't just be like, dude, can you turn off the stream? I'm nervous. Like, it doesn't work that <laughs> way. Just like, like, you're, you're just you're going to be... To buzz. I'm sorry. I'm just really... I'm nervous in front of your viewers. Can you turn it off? If I like, gift the sub, there? will you, like, turn off the stream for <laughs> How a many... little bit? <laughs> How many gifted to turn off your stream? Yeah, hundred. Don't turn off the stream right now. You can turn it on. You can turn it back on after our set, but don't talk about the <laughs> yeah. result either. Don't don't say anything. You can even stay live. It could just be a face cam, but like you can't show any of the gameplay. Yeah. Like that's it. That's on everything. <laughs> you gotta use it at some point. It's gonna happen. I'm Cut the stream. It's funny. You know, like, nice. Getting out of that mentality of using a short term answer for a long term problem, right? Like. If you know if you're trying to you know really elevate yourself and smash, that is going to be something you have to deal with long term wise. Like there's going to be a lot of streams and you're going to be on a lot of them. So it's like don't try to again don't try to use like a short term answer for that long term problem. Yeah. I think that's like one of the key takeaways. I think if we were going to, I mean, I'm feeling pretty good about the episode. I don't want to cut it short. If you guys want to keep going, but I think we've hit a pretty good spot here. But oh yeah, 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 for sure. Um, so if you had to take sure. one final like takeaway from this about coaching and becoming better, you know, I could go first too, not to put you guys on the spot. Like, what would it be? Um, I'm happy to go first. And my first one is always be learning. Like, whether that is learning more about the other characters, your own play style. Like, don't be afraid to learn. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Always be looking to improve and get better because if you're not, you're stagnating and you're at the very best case scenario, staying the same skill level, and obviously more than likely you're regressing. So never be afraid to ask questions. Always be looking for answers and, and being able to to improve your gameplay. For me, it's definitely less is more. I think a lot of people do a lot of things out of habit and like do things very quickly. Um, we, we talked about this throughout the whole stream. Um, 
really testing like you know like watching the spacing you are at with your opponent really testing your reactions a lot of the time like less is more like when i'm playing even against top players i'll preemptively go for something because i just know they're about to double jump and if they never did anything they would have never lost their stock for me it's really make every movement and every button have its intense it, it have its intent and purpose like Less is more, honestly. <laughs> I do a lot of standing there. Like, that's definitely the most important but thing. there's a purpose to it. Exactly. It's effective, yeah. It's effective. Yeah, and I think for me, my big takeaway from this podcast will definitely be use all... Like, I always try to think, and this is, like, even just me, pers like, my personality-wise, I always try to think in long-term. Like, uh, your improvement rate, that is, as a competitor... As the core and most important thing is your improvement rate. Use all your resources, talk to people, figure out everything. It all funnels into how fast you improve because at the end of the day, the PGR and all that stuff is just this big long race. And whoever has the best improvement rate will end up in front. No matter where you're starting, if you just have a humongous drastic improvement rate, you'll eventually get there. Um, Try not to think short terms, like thinking like results and stuff like that. It's all, a lot of it is short term. Um, if you just think long term, improvement rate, all that stuff just funneling into there. And again, that comes with you know using long term solutions for long term problems, not short term solutions for long term problems. So yeah, yeah. And no excuses. Watching. Figure it out. That yeah. problem's always going to be there, whether you hate it or not. You got to yep. you got to work out yeah, how to figure it out. So mm -hmm. it's a big thing. Episode eleven. One Freaking one great, man. <laughs> Still thinking about episode 10 when you said we could do a show live. Someday. 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 It's going to happen, guys. We gotta chat, talk. you'll be there. We'll be there. Yo, chat, we got to talk about merch sometime. Let's let's talk about merch, merch sometime soon. That'd be hype, dude. I saw, I saw a couple it. people say they're down. Merch Hell with yeah. We'll take our time I with buy that. some merch. Wait, would I have to buy it? <laughs> Hold on a Probably second. Probably not. Wait a minute. <laughs> I am a merch. Hold on a second here. Hold on a second. <laughs> All right, I cool. hope you guys have a good one. I'll, I'll possibly see you later tonight with Smash Practice. But uh, yeah, see you guys on YouTube Monday. See you guys on Spotify tomorrow. You already know. Have a good one. Peace out. See you.